Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Guys, it's my favorite time of the week. Yeah. I get to talk about Star Trek, and I love it. I love Star Trek. I love everything about Star Trek. I'm kind of a super fan. What about you? Uh, well, I mean, I understand that what you're saying here is jokes, that jokes has come to visit the no. show. But uh, I do I do kind of like that when we're done with this, I don't have to watch Star Trek for another two weeks. <laughs> And next week, is it a Star Wars? I can't keep no. track. Okay, good. Next week is Fruit Bracket Mailbag. That's good. That feels really good. I can yeah, enjoy, this, feel good? enjoy this holiday weekend. Uh-huh. Ugh, yeah, really, really uh, wallow in it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, before we can do that, we do have to talk about four episodes of Star Trek. Good. I like that. The episode that placed last, last week, was Enterprise, so... This week we're starting with In a Mirror Darkly. All right. Part two. Yeah. Now we see things as in a mirror dimly. Then we shall see each other face to face. And way out in Seattle. That's the Mountain Goats. That is the Mountain Goats. You are correct. I'm trained now. Bad Archer. Do you guys remember that we're in the mirror universe? <laughs> we're in the mirror universe for sure. Bad Archer with his uh, stick up hair <laughs> takes the Defiant out of the Tholian dock, but uh, they find a web being built immediately in front of them. Doesn't matter. Once Trip gets them phasers online, they do a pretty good job of busting up the Tholians. Um, they find the escape pods from enterprise floating off the port bow and bring them in archer gives trip 12 hours to bring the warp drive online because his plan is to take this ship to the front lines uh over uh to paul's objection that it should be taken to earth so they can reverse engineer it you mean full florida trip like all yeah, the florida is still full, in him yeah i did when i said trip earlier i didn't mean full catfish trip yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent with the uh burned face and bad attitude mm-hmm. just like all floridians right burned face bad For, attitude i mean many of them <laughs> uh he uh he asks to paul to hang back after a briefing so he can threaten her a little bit and then he goes to his quarters and puts on the green wraparound tunic that's right mm. They thought we wanted to see the bad versions of characters we don't like anyway mm. dressed up in TOS costumes. So. Yeah, because then everyone does it. In everyone, one of the most baffling decisions in this episode, eventually like everyone's wearing a TOS uniform. Everyone who came over to the ship in uh, in an excursion suit last week is in one of these. Because mm. they didn't bring their regular uniforms over. Were they naked and then the there? ship blew up. Maybe they were naked under there. Uh, 
I mean, I'm sure it was whatever was going on under there was extremely nasty. <laughs> that seems very likely to me. Okay. But yeah, we don't know. Uh, he has been reading about the Prime Universe and the United Federation of Planets, and he tries to tell Hoshi how she died. You know, sexy stuff. Yeah. Get her motor they, uh, they take a look at Archer's file, too, because, again, the Defiant is not just from another universe, but from the future. Yeah. Uh, Bad Archer makes it clear he doesn't think much of explorers or peacemakers and that he intends to keep the Defiant himself. Um, do you guys remember our old buddy Kelby? He was a real shit in that Orion's episode. <sighs> yeah. Well, he discovers some components have been missing, and they think there's a saboteur on board, and it turns out to be a huge six-foot reptile that straight eats him, just eats him up. A huge CGI just, reptile. Just fucking pulls him up into the vents and eats him. Um, it's weird, because Kirk fought with a Gorn for a very long time on that planet, and it never looked uh-huh. like he was in danger of being eaten. No, it didn't <laughs> seem like, maybe that guy didn't even eat meat, who knows. Yeah. Um, Archer has uh, one of the and there were some prisoners working on the Defiant, some humanoid prisoners, because the Tholians couldn't. So he has one of those guys brought in, brought in and beaten uh, until he reveals that the slave master's name is Slar, <laughs> and that he is a Gorn. I thought he was going to say Blarg. Slar is not far from it. Uh, <laughs> when I heard him say that, I said, "Oh, Matt's going to be excited about that." <laughs> he would fit in perfectly with all of the other Tradotians or whatever they're called. Yeah, 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 yeah. At this point, Archer has a hallucination of another Archer. He is dressed in the... He looks like our Archer from the Prime Universe, uh-huh. which which Bad Archer has seen a picture of. Yep. He looks like that picture. But he's even more bad than Bad Archer, so I don't know who the fuck he's supposed to be. I think he's just a hallucination. I think he got his ass kicked by a mean schizophrenia voice. I think he did. Um, anyway, uh, uh, the hallucination tells him he should lead the search party himself. Um, then Archer gets on the horn with the Gorn. Uh, oh, that's a good one. On the intercom, tries to get him to give up the components. But anyway, it doesn't matter. His, the, this hallucination just keeps egging him on. Uh, Reed nearly gets killed by a, uh explosive that the Gorn plants. I really like the idea of people nearly getting killed in this episode where we w- will never see these fuckers again. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can't kill evil Reed. Well, even though when they filmed this, they knew it was canceled. When they wrote it, they were still leaving open the possibility of revisiting this trash universe in season <sighs> five. The worst. So they decided they couldn't kill him. And also, that's why the end is a little bit ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Uh Slar jumps Archer and then kills a Mako before Archer turns the gravity way up on the creature and then they pumps it full of lasers or whatever. I don't know if you knew this, but um, the Gorn are made entirely out of metal and that's why it really weighs, a, it, like it really crushes him because he actually weighs like 9,000 pounds. Well, apparently he could turn that one section of the ship up to 20 Gs, which, I mean, that'd be a lot. That's a lot for sure. I couldn't carry that much. Yeah, if you just, you know, multiply your weight by 20 and then think about it. It's yeah. a lot. Think about like it. Like if an elephant sits on you or something. My math's not so good. I mean, good think about it, would you? My math's not so good. I think that would come out something like 3,300 pounds. You're a big cow. Look, I don't know how much an elephant weighs, but like if a car was on top of you. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm um, sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to criticize the great CGI in that scene. 
yeah so that fun hunt is over uh off screen they get the warp engines working again start making for the fleet uh to paul has also been reading up about the federation and she tries to i guess tries to get flock uh, flocks to mutiny against archer because because what if it could be the federation like what if we could somehow make that happen i read about a thing called the federation and what if yeah. we just told people about it and then tomorrow there was a federation hey it's just occurring to me for the first time that there could be another way do you think we should do a mutiny <laughs> let's do a hot mutiny Anyway, they get to the battle. Uh, Def- Defiant just cuts up all these alien ships, and then a fleeing Vulcan ship that was part of the rebellion. Archer brings Admiral Black aboard and tries to make his case to keep the Defiant. I'm sure Admiral Black says something interesting, but meanwhile, we're seeing this hallucination of Archer <laughs> provoking him, and he just vaporizes, straight vaporizes the Admiral. Yeah. He gives a not very effective speech. Uh, trying to invite his crew to join him in this coup to Paul goes aboard black ship, the Avenger to talk to mirror. Soval, mm-hmm. who was on black's uh, crew. He's got a goatee. Yeah. Tries to talk him into this coup that she's planning. Um, Archer and Hoshi have a little pillow talk about kicking all of the non-humans off of the defiant, except for flocks. Cause the Denobulans aren't revolting. Sure. Uh, Archer has T-Paul put off the ship and uh, then hops on a call where he demands Starfleet's unconditional surrender from Fleet Admiral Gardner because uh, his new plan is to become the Emperor himself. So many admirals in this and like they don't have guys in the regular universe that we know already. Right. So yeah, like, these, these are guys we've never met so it doesn't mean anything. Like, I don't know, is Gardner the one that we were told replaced Forrest? Yeah, Gardner's the one that replaces Forrest, yeah. but we only have we have hearsay of an order from him, and I think that's about it. Yeah. Uh, Flox gets called to the Avenger on a for a medical emergency, but that's a ruse. Uh, to Paul and Soval try to convince Flox to sabotage the Defiant um, by suggesting that the Emperor will be grateful for saving his life and <laughs> he can have all the concubines he likes. Yeah, so many fucking females up in here. Uh, Hoshi and Mako come to arrest uh, to Paul for downloading some schematics. Um, they get that Mako out of the way real quick so they can have a cat fight. But it's in a, the end, uh, it is a total cat fight full of lingering shots of bare navels and stuff. Yeah, that's exactly it's 100% what it is. Anyway, the Mako wakes up and stuns her, so they bring her back aboard. Uh, Soval takes command of the Avenger. Paul tells Archer that the Federation is their future. He doesn't care about that. Phlox begins sabotaging the ship. Archer sends a Mako team to confine every alien on Avenger. Defiant loses main power. Avenger fires on Defiant. Phlox and Trip fight. Eventually, Trip gets the relays back in place. Defiant destroys Avenger. Back in bed, Archer tells Hoshi to erase all the data about the Federation, but mm. she poisons his wine, and he watches her kiss Mayweather before he collapses. Nice, nice. Hoshi takes the bridge. He's with his earring and his cool flat top or whatever. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> this is real, uh, <laughs> it's a real Wesley Snipes outfit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Hoshi takes the bridge and introduces herself to Gardner as Empress Sato. The end. Ugh. Matthew. Oh. What was this one about? This is such a good episode. I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we watched it twice. I'm glad we watched the first part and the second part. Uh, I guess the partially explored idea that I uh, ideas are as dangerous as weapons or technology. 
the idea that there is a, a universe where there are nice dudes is dangerous to this regime and powerful to the resistance, we're sort of told. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. That was the closest I could find to a take in this piece of crap. Um, I guess we've definitely seen in 2020 that ideas are powerful in an extremely negative way. So I'd like to think they could work in a positive way too, but will we ever see any evidence? Uh, and anyway, the rebels all get blasted, so like their ideas didn't get them anywhere. So no, it's a very poorly executed rebellion. They achieve nothing and they die. So just a four for me. Well, I'm afraid I couldn't give it as much as a four. My take this week was. Um, if your organization is built on personal power, then you can't trust anyone. I don't know anymore with this. Like, yeah, it's kind of like this what is we not saw the last first week. time. This is not the first time we've seen this take. And uh, like, I guess dictators have to watch their backs. But what do I do about this <laughs> idea? You have to become a little dictator so that you can put these ideas into practice. So that I could, but so that I then don't trust anybody. Yes. So if you if you yeah. want to not trust anybody, you could become a dictator first. Well, that seems like a lot of fun. I gave it a two. Okay. I I don't know. Everyone's shitty to each other and then the episode's over. It's like, there's nothing. The introduction of his mean schizophrenia voice was like, it was all, it was not quite as bad as Chaco waking up and seeing the moon over and over again, but it was just a real hack shitty thing to do. It doesn't, I mean... Well, so let's uh, let's just swing right into yeah. execution. There's just no explanation at all for why this hallucination <laughs> of our universe's Jonathan Archer is giving bad Archer fits. It's really like, odd. I asked myself, has Hoshi already been poisoning him slowly, maybe? Yeah. Or is he supposed to be haunted by the idea of the explorer and man of peace he might have been? It's, it's like you can make up reasons, but we'll never know. They make absolutely zero attempt to tie it to anything else. It's just like, oh, by the way, yeah, uh, this guy shows up and tells him uh, he's never going to give you command. <laughs> they don't believe in you. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I guess maybe. I think there were a couple of times where they refer to the evil archer as like being too soft. And, like, not being up to shit. And I think maybe that's why he's haunted by the other archer, who then he, he the sees... The guy who's even softer? He sees, yeah, like, too maybe. much of himself that he's ashamed of in him or something. But then you're right that that archer doesn't come off as a soft whiner. He's no. extra, extra evil. Yes, it doesn't so, make any sense. I don't know. And then... Does, does Hoshi become Empress? I mean, she says it with her mouth. Yeah. Um, how does Defiance technology change things, given that the bad Enterprise in Mirror Mirror is basically the same? I'm guessing their science isn't great. Yeah, it must not be. They don't do much with it. This guy cannot reverse engineer this ship at all. I mean, you could, uh, I guess, try to extrapolate that uh, it wasn't a good environment for engineering and science, and that they yeah. just didn't reverse engineer it. They just kept the secrets to themselves or whatever. So it seems like even if you care about the mirror universe, it opens up a bunch of questions that has no intention of answering. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The best part of this episode is still the new credits. Uh, I didn't even really find it fun to see the Defiant tearing it up in the past. Like no. I see a Constitution class ship just wrecking shit a hundred years ago. Who cares? I certainly didn't. Uh, I gave it a one. Yep, that's fair. Um, 
in this universe, Archer sees and hears things that aren't there. I wonder if he does in the Prime Universe too. It would explain a lot. Um, either way, that was a whole trash idea. I hate that they made the Gorn a CGI. Yeah, that sucked. It looked even worse than the dumb mascot suit, like one from the 60s war. Yeah. Uh, way too many sexy moans for my liking in in a Star Trek episode. Okay, sure. Lots of lingering midriff shots during the catfight between Hoshi and Teeple because of this show, this, this fucking show. Empress Sato is one of the saddest reveals ever. <laughs> it's like... It's like if in a Mirror Universe episode of TNG ever happened. And at the end, the reveal was, this is Empress Troy. Well, like, you know, these guys took a lot of inspiration from a book or comic book, I don't know, about the Mirror Universe version in TN- of TNG. No. In which Barkley is Picard's personal bodyguard. Ugh. Because yeah. he's, he's such a, a wimp in the real universe, so he'd be extra be. devilish. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Anyway, I found it pretty laughable, and then the line, she just delivers it so badly. <laughs> it was like a valley girl became empress. I, she I should have been it. chewing gum. <laughs> it would have been getting playing with her hair or something. A real 80s yeah. stereotype of a mall rat or whatever. Yeah, um, I gave it a two. It's, um, I'm glad it's over. I'm really glad that that's done because I was dreading yeah, me it. Too. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen, and I was like, "Oh God!" In ma- in many ways, it was as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, world building. Well, you know, I'm not sure we saw TOS Enterprise ever use F torpedoes, but I can't. I don't. I don't remember for sure. Yeah, it seems like they probably had them. This Defiant definitely has them. Um, that grav plate trick. I guess that's a thing they can do. That's a one. I gave it a one. Uh, I also gave it a one. Let's see what else I've got. Um, I guess this shows us the uh, power creep in between Enterprise and TOS. Mm. Like, obviously the ships get powerful, but it's clearly quite a bit more powerful. Oh, I mean, because it just comes in and tears ass. Yeah, it just rips everybody to hell. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Vulcans have had those ships for thousands of years, but I guess I guess they didn't they didn't build them that good, huh? Well, it's pretty clear by the way the Vulcans are um a real minor part of the Federation in the future that they uh uh well, you know, they're not curious about things, so maybe that's why they're their ships. Nah, that's get probably better. what it is. Yeah. Uh yeah, aside from that power creep, I don't know. I don't know what to talk about here. Um, and then characterization, of course, I cannot award at any points. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you give a character point for the fact that Hoshi invents a lingua code in her late 30s? Because uh, I couldn't see my way to it. <laughs> no, that didn't feel like a real character moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> I agreed zero. Yeah. So I, I, yeah also wrote, tough. I also wrote some stuff on the personal files on Defiant about the crew from the real Enterprise, but I don't know what to yeah. do with that. That's nothing. Yep. And he doesn't even say how Hoshi dies. Nope. So like she refuses to hear it, and I don't care. So Uh, it says that a weird telepath tracked you down, (laughs) like some kind of creepy telepath. He couldn't forget your sexy pajamas or whatever. It's kind of a. It says Beauty and the Beast right here (laughs) in the thing. So that's the weird heading on this on this paragraph on this section in your Wikipedia. It's odd. Um. I guess I have a couple of quick hitters. 
Ah, let's have them. This is going to be our quickest in and out on one of these ever, Good. I think. It did not deserve even this much conversation. Uh, I did skip the opening credits this time. Last so did I, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Last week I did not, but I was not confident they would do anything new. So I just went, nah, I'm good. Uh, but I'm always excited when I can skip recap and skip opening credits, and then the 42 minutes that I have to watch <laughs> yep. it down to 38, and you're like, oh, yeah. I know, so you see the little bar move, and you go, oh, that moved a lot. That's pretty good. Oh, it's pretty good. This archer says uh, he never had a problem with the Vulcans until they joined the Rebellion. So even yeah. this is opposite of the other universe. <laughs> right. Um, again, I thought it was weird that they just all went along with wearing the Starfleet uniforms of the TOS era, but perhaps you're right that they just didn't have good clothes with them. Um, I mean, that's the behind-the-scenes reason. Okay. Is that the, the reason they send them over there in those uh, spacesuits is so that they can make them put on these dumb uniforms. Right. Uh, we got... Um, they got this blue guy, some kind of blue alien. Yep, we don't learn what species he is, but... Uh, That's why I didn't put it in world building or anything. I was just like, there's some kind of blue guy here. We got... Um, we got the Admiral dude has got a real Nazi-looking uniform. Yep. Because he's bad. Uh, there was an alternate Soval, like you said, and he had the goatee. He had the standard Spock goatee of the Mirror Universe. So... They had that going on, too. That's it, man. What about you? Uh, yeah, bad guys love John Brown belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even we see it in the war universe in Yesterday's Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Kelby's wearing one on the way to his meeting with, whoops, the worst, worst CGI we've ever seen. <laughs> it's so Enterprise. bad. It's really bad. It's extremely terrible. Uh, then I wrote, ah, fuck, hallucinations. And then I wrote, uh, fuck, nothing is grosser than Flock saying females. Yeah. yeah. And look at his lips like a creepo. I mean, I guess he did a good job then. Best actor I gave to not applicable and worst <laughs> actor to Weak Soval. <laughs> yeah, Weak Soval was pretty bad. <laughs> he wasn't sure how to play that, I think. It was as if he didn't, no one told him what the difference between this version of Soval and the real version of Soval was. <laughs> they just told him over and over again he has a goatee. Yeah. He's like, I don't really know what to do with this. Uh, yeah, all right, well, we got in and out on that one pretty quick. Yeah, fuck it, we're in and out on that one. Uh, third place last week was TNG, this week we watched The Drumhead. Yeah. <laughs> We open on an interrogation of Klingon exobiologist Jadan. Yeah. Uh, regarding two D's. The, two D's. It's important. <laughs> J apostrophe D D A N. Regarding the sabotage of Enterprise's warp drive and the transfer of information to the Romulans, some schematics got stolen. And she does say schematics. Troy does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jadan tries to bribe Worf on the way back to his quarters, but all that gets him is an elbow in the gut. He really takes him for a walk, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a retired admiral, Nora Sati, shuttles in on a berth to assist in the inquiry mm-hmm. with the team that helped her uncover the Bluegill plot from season one. That's weird, because I kind of remember Picard and Riker uncovering that. Yeah, but... And then it- fixing it. But it so what's going to transpire is that for the last 
three years, mm. she's been shuttling around the Federation, screaming conspiracy at people and having them locked up. Okay. Uh-huh. Um. Anyway, she gets right to work inspecting the damage to Enterprise. Uh, Jordy shows her the video of the explosion of the dilithium chamber, and it turns out that that area was one of the stolen plans, so everyone's pretty sure we got us a sabotage here. Uh, Worf uh, later tells Picard and Satie that he discovered Jadan's insulin needle can encode data in protein form, which he then injects into somebody's body for transfer off the ship. Wow. That's some future tech right there. Uh-huh. Yep. It's the one science fiction idea in this episode, so don't worry about it. Marjan started it to make biological... drama for the rest of it. Yeah, Marjan started to make biological complaints about it, and then went, never mind. Yeah. It's not even <laughs> worth it. Well, it encoded it in neutral proteins or whatever the <laughs> fuck they said. Yep. She started uh, to say, uh, she started to say immune system, and then she went, never mind. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the rest of the episode is just a courtroom drama anyway, yeah. so uh, Worf confronts Judan with this thing, and he immediately spouts off about how the Romulans are strong, and the Federation is weak, and the Federation's dragging Klingons in the wrong direction, etc., etc., but he claims he had no part in the sabotage of the engines. Okay. Uh, uh, Nora Sati has a Betazoid aide named Sabin, and... Uh, he has the feeling that this guy's telling the truth, and that suggests to everyone that there might be a a larger sabotage problem, or a conspiracy even, Uh-oh. on board the Enterprise. Uh, so then Sati goes back to Picard's writing room. It's like, uh, there's like three sets this week. Yes. Uh, it either all takes place in uh, the, the little courtroom. Yeah, the interrogation room that we previously saw them right. with Jarok in. Or Picard's ready room, or there's like one shot in engineering or whatever. Right. I know there's a couple in the observation lodge. It's fine. Yeah. This is a absolute bottle episode. They wanted to make a clip show, but the uh, or the network wanted a clip show, but the producer said, "God, can we at least just do a bottle episode?" Man, they need to make more bottle episodes then. Yeah, they should. Oh wait a minute, but that's what we always say. <laughs> we do always say that <laughs> if they yeah. just like make a script where there's some people in a room, it's usually better. Yeah. Uh, in back in the ready room, uh, Sati tells Picard that even the specter of conspiracy aboard a starship can be dangerous, which I guess is why she's going to be screaming conspiracy for the rest of the episode and having open meetings, etc. Is that what she meant? Maybe, maybe she meant that's why it's dangerous. Yeah, I guess it could be. <laughs> um, but uh, she also tells him that she's really getting to like him. She never wanted to work with a partner before, but she really respects him. She tells them all about her famous dad's bizarre dinner torture. She (laughs) says they're going to make a good team. Her dad, Aaron? Her dad, Aaron. Every time he says that name, he says it that way. It makes me laugh every time. (laughs) Remember when he shouted at the other admiral? Aaron! (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Um... Boy, this this old boy Saban does like the br- the barest amount of work to get Worf over to his side. Mm-hmm. He tells him, "Hey, we've heard that your dad was a traitor, but um, but you know you have our full confidence." We think and you're Worf cool. is just like, "Who do you need me to uh, work up? Yeah. Who am I working over for you guys?" <laughs> he gets we real think gung-ho. you're very cool and nice. <laughs> yes. Uh, we cut to an interview with Crusher. 
Uh, she says Jadan's injections were handled by an assistant. Uh, Jadan himself wasn't very talkative. Worf brings in crewman first class Simon Tarsis, who stutters a little bit when he talks about giving injections to Jadan a couple of times mm. um, before Picard excuses him. But once he walks out the door, Sabin says uh, he's covering up something so big it's going to overwhelm him. Mm hmm. Picard has a meeting with uh, Satie where he objects to restricting Tarsi's movements on the basis of that Betazoid reading. Yeah. And then just exactly as in the price. <laughs> someone makes a very good point. Someone is like, uh, don't you do that exact thing with Troy? And he goes, yeah, look, of course I do, but maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that is something I will have to evaluate. And it's like, but great, hey, what a stance. <laughs> But anyway, he seems like a nice guy. Don't We don't got to lock that guy up, right? Yeah. Uh, Jordy calls everyone to engineering. Um, they've gotten into the warp uh, chamber or whatever, and they've discovered just some regular fatigue cracks in the hatch casing, and Jordy and Data don't think it was sabotage at all now. No, they think it was a real fuck-up when they went to that base the last time, when they replaced uh, it with a bad one. Uh, no. N- n- <laughs> Nora Satie shows her tips her hand pretty early here by saying, well, just because there was no sabotage doesn't mean there's no conspiracy. <laughs> and everyone in the room doesn't go, ah, fuck, here we go. <laughs> yeah, they pretty much get away, they get away with this for about 10 more minutes after that, but uh, that would have been it for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got, no, I think we're good. I think we're good here. They asked to keep investigating Simon Tarsi's uh, and Picard. And they they give the bullshit. I'm mean, just to prove he's innocent. And Picard's like, "All right, if it'll get this over with." Yeah, he doesn't buy that excuse at all. He reminds them that he is innocent. Yep, that that's the presumption of innocence has survived into the Federation. He is very mad about it, and they yeah. are very bad at reassuring him. Yeah. Uh, then Picard goes to the next hearing and finds it open to the public. Yeah. Uh, and Sati says um, that that serves two purposes. One, it quashes rumors that she's been starting. <laughs> and two, uh, spies fucking hate it. Spies and saboteurs hate the light. They scuttle away like little insects. She like gets fucking uh, cockroaches. They should have thought to put a little foam in the corner of her mouth <laughs> in this speech. Because it's great. like, we, the audience, already get it that she's the bad guy. So... <laughs> It's uh, fine. Or maybe like have Saban like it cuts away to to just them and Saban's like, Hey, are you okay? Uh no, Saban's fucking all in. Yeah, he is. Uh Sati starts by asking Crusher to give the names of anyone she's seen with Tarsus and Jadan. Uh because this is the part where someone remembered the House Un American Activities Committee. <laughs> uh and so anyway, anyway, so she starts with that. Then uh, Saban lies to Simon Tarsis and tells him the explosion was caused by a chemical from sickbay. And when he says that he had nothing to do with it, Saban says that they know he's a liar and that his Vulcan granddaddy is really his Romulan grandpappy. Oh, shit. And Riker whispers in his ear and Tarsis refuses to answer the question. Space lawyer Riker, the return. I love it so much. Oh, yeah. Picard says, uh, listen, I've assigned you counsel anyway, and it's Commander Riker. He's great. Yeah. He was so good, he almost yeah. won last time. 
Yeah, don't let him try to take off your arm. Uh, he might get carried away. You could just remember to say, "I'm not a robot." I'm just, hey, it won't work. If you hear if you hear him say Pinocchio, you can leave. I give you permission to leave yeah. the courtroom. That's the, that's going to be the safe word for this trial. <laughs> if he says Pinocchio, uh, Worf has taken over the observation lounge, uh, and he tells uh, Ardra and Ensign Kellogg <laughs> to go through Cybertarsus' whole shit, bottom to the top. Uh, I wasn't paying Picard. close attention. I thought it was a chance one of those ladies was Lita Alexander again. Uh, should, no, the other one uh, was not. However, the, so you're talking about Ensign Kellogg. Mm. Ensign Kellogg is played by a regular photo double, and I, I think just photo double for uh, Dr. Crusher. Makes sense, redhead. Uh, and other uh, characters. Um, the actress who plays her goes by one name, and that name is Cameron. I love that so, so much. That's great. It's that so that's a lot. Uh like you, I thought for a minute that could have been Lita Alexander. You know exactly what I mean by referring to the other one as Ardra. She yes. doesn't get a name, but she has Ardra hair. Yo, that lady is such a star, she goes just by Cameron. That's correct. That's kinda great. A hundred percent correct. <laughs> um, the reason I know that is because I thought, is that Lita Alexander again? And it's not. <laughs> they don't show her up close. No. Uh, Picard comes in and tells Worf that he thinks this search for a conspiracy is getting carried away. Uh, he explains that he believes in the Space Fifth Amendment. Yeah, and the Worf Seventh shouts, Guarantee, which we're all familiar with. <laughs> That's right. You guys all know about it. <laughs> one through six, not so much. It's one of the famous ones. Uh-huh. Uh, Worf, Worf shouts that the Federation has enemies that must be found, and Picard gets real quiet, which you know Worf doesn't like, and yeah. tells him that the road to paranoia is a short one, and that he doesn't like what they're becoming. Mm. But he doesn't... I, maybe I missed it. Does he order him to stop all of that stuff? He does not. He does not. He walks out saying under his breath he doesn't like what we're becoming, but he doesn't say, don't do any of that stuff I heard you say. No. 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 Um... Picard has uh, Simon Tarsus over to tea, and he talks, and the, the kid talks about how he always wanted to be in Starfleet. He was too impatient to even go to the academy, and then Picard pulls Nora Satie aside for an off-the-record chat and tells her that he thinks they're hounding an innocent man and that the whole thing has to stop. And she tells him that he's incredibly naive, whereas she's been chasing traitors from planet to planet for four years, and she's going to get to the bottom of this, even if it means investigating everyone on this ship. Mm. And, by the way, she's invited Admiral Thomas Henry of Starfleet Security uh, to oversee the rest of the hearings. I like how she thinks she's more connected than Picard. It's a big mistake. It's kind of a wild thing to do. Yeah. It's like if you uh, told Nick Saban you were going to go over his head at the University of Alabama. Like, where are you going to go? <laughs> What are you talking about? He's the yeah, most what's important over man. What are you? Yeah. What are you talking about? In the state of Alabama? Yeah, like uh, you can't really go over it. What are you going to talk to the governor? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also has Picard subpoenaed for questioning, and he uh, opens with a big indictment of the proceedings against Simon Tarsis. But she's pretty much done with Simon Tarsis at this point anyway, because she's on the new shit. <laughs> she starts by asking Picard why he's violated the Prime Directive nine times. Uh, she Fair question. Yeah, she brings up Ambassador Tapel, that Romulan spy that he let get away in Data's day. 
Uh, she talks about how Worf, uh, Worf's daddy is officially a Romulan collaborator. Which <laughs> yeah. did, no one, by the way, no one in the audience is shocked by that news. So everyone must know. I guess that's out. And also Worf must feel really betrayed because earlier they said he was cool. That's true. They did. And now he's not cool anymore. Uh, she asks him about the Borg and Wolf 359, and he responds with some quote from her daddy about liberty, and she freaks out entirely <laughs> yeah. and starts crying and calling Picard a rat and a communist, uh-huh. and uh, Admiral Henry gets up and walks out in the middle of it, <laughs> which seems to bring her back to her senses. Saban calls for a recess, but uh, everyone can read the room. Yep. Uh, Worf finds Picard in the observation lounge and tells him Admiral Henry has ended the hearings and Admiral Satie has left the ship. Mm. Picard tells Worf that humanity hasn't come as far as they like to think and Worf sort of apologizes for his part in all of it. (laughs) That was this one about... Let me just say on the top, I loved this episode. I had such a good time watching it. (laughs) It's one of the greats. it, It was fucking buck wild. I loved it. Uh, there will always be somebody spreading fear in the name of righteousness, and um, we must be vigilant. I mean, it's right out of the horse's mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the McCarthy hearings and blacklisting and yeah, paranoia and using patriotism as a facade to do some evil shit. You get it. It's got relevance. It's sci-fi, bro. <laughs> Did you know that? It's the seventh yeah. guarantee. Is this where you're going to drop a ten? No, I'm dropping an eight, though. An eight. Dropping okay. a hot eight, for sure. Uh, um, that is definitely a big part of the episode. Uh, I focused on another aspect of it. Okay. Picard gives a lot of lip service to the normal Star Trek thing of trading freedom for security, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the most common Star Trek takes. We just did a two-parter in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That's basically this. With Admiral Dickhead. Um, the big problem with these stories to me is that when you hear these arguments in real life, it is inevitably someone saying, why should Papa John have to lose his job just because he can't stop saying the N-word? <laughs> yes, that is the more common real life version. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like they make all these same arguments and it really tarnishes it by association. Yes. Um... Anyway, no more witch hunts. We all agree McCarthyism was bad, uh, although there are clearly some who would like to bring back the glory days of McCarthyism. Yes. Yeah. So they should watch this one, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm not an eight. I'm a six, just because that freedom and security stuff is getting a little little hoary. Um, Although, this might have been the first one that had that take. I don't think TOS bothered with anything nuanced like this. (laughs) No. No, I don't think so either. You know, I'm looking back. We watched a lot of those. I don't remember nuance. Most of the takes? Oh, nuance. Yeah, I sure. don't really remember no. any. Maybe there was some, but I don't remember it. No, there's no room for nuance when you're going to show up on a planet and say the sacred words, which are <laughs> the preamble to the Constitution of the United States of America. Why, though? Why did they have the Constitution? He doesn't ask. It's the Hodgkin's Law of Parallel Planetary Development or whatever. He, dis- he doesn't even ask anyone. No, He's it's just not like, even surprising sure. to him. I get it. I know what's happening here. 
I mean, he doesn't know what's happening when the guy says the word's all bad. Like He and Spock just exchange a glance in which they both agree yes. that America's the greatest nation <laughs> yes. to have ever existed on any planet. And, and then, at home, yeah. you know what that glance means. You know that's what it means. You go, yeah, yeah. America. Christian America is the number one <laughs> place. So, anyway. Um, Wait, what about execution? Execution. Uh, this one is hurt a little bit by having to fit in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have to devote a certain amount of time to the initial spy investigation. And then there's D only himself. right. Then there's only time for Simon Tarsis and Picard. And the net result is that it makes both uh, Norisati and Picard seem like they're overreacting in different directions. Sure. Like, yeah. In order for Picard's whole uh, problem to be taken seriously, they have to do like a couple of rounds on it at least. To show that yeah. she's getting crazier or whatever. Right, where I, but whereas what we see is they kind of ask some insensitive questions to one guy, mm-hmm. and then she calls Picard up, and it's like, we don't really see it expand. Like, aside from the thing where uh, Worf or whatever wants to talk to all his family members, and mm-hmm. she asks Crusher about anyone else that he's, she saw talking to them, we don't see the scope expand. Yeah. So instead, we just have Picard telling us what will happen if it all gets yeah. goes unchecked. Yep. And then we have to have Norisati lose her shit entirely at the hearing to explain why this all is over and it's okay to be not talking <laughs> about this in the next week. Yep. So, you know, this would have been a better arc on a non-episodic show. Okay. But having said that, Picard gets to give speeches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nora Sati gets to blow up. That scene is very well done. Like, yeah. uh, she really has tears in her eyes. It, it really works. Uh, Admiral Thomas Henry standing up and walking out in disgust is like, <laughs> it's five seconds in the middle of a big speech. Yeah. And it's still a fantastic moment. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, look, if we just go to my quick hitters i have here <laughs> this admiral walking out is everything yeah. it's everything to me in 2020 and even the betazoid guy who's a bad guy the whole episode si- sitting next to her gives a look like shit <laughs> well he's gotta know he's fucking going down with her yeah <laughs> so yeah that scene is pretty pretty great <clears throat> um yeah so again, this would have been better as an arc, as a conspiracy arc, like they almost did in season one. Yeah. Um, but once you accept that everything happens too fast, there's a lot of good moments in this episode. Uh, one thing that does disappoint me is that <clears throat> at no point does anyone raise the raise the issue of like possible bad convictions in all mm. of Norisati's past. Like for four years, she's been running around hounding people. Oh yeah, man. Were I'd they, hope if they had, were they all guilty. If I'd hope if they had forty seven minutes to do this show, somebody afterward goes, "Hey, we should probably take a look at all those." Right. Yeah, like you know, just if 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 Picard had said this is also part of the damage. Now all of her past investigations yeah. have to be reopened, and uh, it's possible that good men have been doing time for. I know. Not even having a bug in them or whatever the fuck. Doing time in one of those terrible Starfleet labor camps where, like, I don't know, I assume no one, walk no around one is outside. guarding them and they have a shovel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I don't really know what they do there. Uh, but, like, I would have liked for that to come up because it seems like 
you really almost get the feeling that everyone in Starfleet is going to fucking sweep this one under the rug. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like Admiral Thomas Henry got back on that Excelsior-class ship and took the fuck off. And he said, these and, hearings uh, are over and no one can ever hear about them. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like everyone not to talk or think about this. <laughs> so that and the fact that it's all kind of rushed and you have to accept it as a one-act play. Yeah. Uh, uh, diminishes my uh, love for this episode a little bit. I only gave it a five for execution. Well, I disagree. No kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like that there's not like A plot, B plot nonsense. No. It's all related. Everything that's happening in it is related to the same story. And like you said, it's because it's too big a story. Um, it's hyper serious. Yes. It's slow and thoughtful. I try to imagine Voyager doing this. <laughs> like, what, like, what a baffling episode it would be in the hands of later Star Trek. Yeah. Um, explores an issue. It demonstrates the point the writers are trying to make, and the lesson therein is one that I th- do think still needs to be told and heard. Um, uh, when we did Measure of a Man, I said I don't know how much more you can ask for from a Star Trek episode, and this is kind of in that class to me. Um, it's a similar episode. Not only that, you know what I think the third one in this trilogy is? Is the one with the exocomps. Uh, yeah. Um, quality of... No. I don't know. I we'll don't know we'll get called. to it when we get to it. Um, and by the way, with both of these episodes, um, the good guys win in the end, and that feels really good. Yeah. Just given everything. Um, and that wouldn't happen in Deep Space Nine. In DS Nine, it might be the, the episode could area. might be serious and slow, but there definitely would be a B plot that no one wanted. Yep, and and the good guys might not win in the end. There's some, there's some, there's little leaking going on again this week in DS Nine <laughs> that is so in your face. It's wild. <laughs> anyway, um, and it is dropped immediately. Yep. Uh, the music cue in the Picard speech comes in just a bit too quick and telegraphs it. I wish they'd held the music like three seconds so he could get into his quote from Aaron, from Aaron. Yep. Um, I kind this of was the this was the last one done by this particular composer, and he left the show on creative differences about how the episode should be scored. By the way, oh shit! Well, yep. Maybe we were on the same page. I kind of like that we'll never know who Jadan was working with. Yeah, what he was up to. Whether they knew or not, right? It's uh, suggested that he may have injected mm-hmm. this in them without them knowing. Although then someone has to retrieve it later. Yep. Can they get those proteins out of poop? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. And also, Worf talks about a guy who they've tried to track somewhere and he disappears. He, he Where he disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, there's some business that's hinted at that we don't get the rest of, and I'm totally fine with that. Like, I like that we don't know that part because it fits in with everything Picard says the whole time about how this dude's a traitor. He's admitted it after we accused him with that good evidence. And um, he's going to pay for it, but we can't just go around accusing everybody of everything. I kind of like that right. they don't find out who it was. Um, For me, it's a nine. I enjoyed Ooh. it so very much. All right. So far, we are six apart. Yep. 
Yep. Exciting to see what happens. Uh, world building, if you please. Uh, we got a scientific exchange program with the Klingons. Uh, return of that interrogation room. Um, again, I thought Picard and Riker exposed the alien conspiracy and then, again, <laughs> fixed it with uh-huh. phasers. But... Well, they killed the queen bug. Yep. <laughs> and they exposed it and they told everyone, hey, there are these gills in people's necks and they were placing everybody out here. So I would yeah. hope that was the hard work that had to be done, but maybe not. Um... Oh, we got those engineering isolation doors that stay closed for half the episode. I don't know how much uh, warp core breach threatening we've seen in this so far. I know Jordy uh, had to dip under one during yesterday's Enterprise. but Yeah, he dipped under the exterior doors. This is just the interior doors, so I guess they the problem was just the radiation. Yes. Um, Balthazar syndrome? Yep. I always thought it was just Balthazar, but <laughs> the subtitle told me different. Uh, we got this protein spy work, Tarkanian diplomats. Um, the hatch cover on the warp core was bad. What's the manufacturing process for those? Good question. I would figure they're all replicated the same way, but maybe they replicate a bunch and then they store them. And that's where the problem developed? Yeah. We know that it's it was a replaced at, at uh, Starbase whatever. Station McKinley or okay. whatever the fuck, right? Yep. Um, so did they pull it off another galaxy class starship? Do it do an inspection on it and then swab it back on? Or yeah, they don't give us the whole story, but it made me go, "Come on, guys, it's kind of important." It's the warp core. I hope they're not just replicating a bunch of shitty products. Um, I mean, fatigue cracks are a. Fatigue cracks that are missed in uh, maintenance mm-hmm. are a major cause of airline incidents. Yes, but they said that it was probably bad when they got it. And that makes me go, what's going on here? This is yeah. the space future. You can't just make the computer make a good one. It's a good question. How does the replicator work? <laughs> you can't Why say can to the computer, introduce... computer, make a hatch cover capable of defeating data. And just see Some what happens. micron fractures. Uh a ten thousandth of an inch is two point five microns. So yeah, this is like we build things to sub micron tolerances now, right? Uh, the seventh guarantee. Um, Tarsis went to an academy training program for enlisted personnel. Not sure yeah. what that all entails. Uh, this lady calculates that Picard has broken the Prime Directive. Ed Rooney voice nine times. <laughs> and then we get some continuity on other Picard fuck ups. Um, there's kind of a lot there. I don't know what to do with all of it. It's a three for me. Uh, well, you talked me up a point. I initially had it as a one. The two big things that come out this week are post conspiracy investigations. Mm hmm. And the seventh guarantee, mm-hmm. and that someone reads Picard's log entries. Apparently, it usually but only seems like no one does. Like Remick did it. Yeah, and if he were still around, he probably would have got this job. But we all know what happened to him. Boy, the fact that it only seems like people read these log entries when they're looking for a <laughs> when reason a to problem. cashier you really would explain. Like, if that's Picard's understanding of it too, uh. He probably leaves some stuff out, huh? Yeah, I would, for sure. 
Yeah, no one's taking a look at those things unless it's time to investigate you, and then they're all over them. Yeah. I'd, I'd make that shit vague as hell. We visited a planet. Uh, they, it's a pleasure planet. All they love is, like, paradise and stuff. And uh, Wesley got in some trouble, but it turned out okay. Yeah. That's what I would put. <laughs> anyway, they got some wild laws down there, so. Watch out, everybody, in the future. Everybody, leave them alone, maybe. Yeah, I talked to their they god. Do, we're just going to leave them alone, I think. They do love to sex, but, you know, <laughs> still give it a miss. Luckily, we have a whole sex work planet. That's so. right. You'll just have to go to Risa for your sex. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to move it up to a two okay. based on some of the other things that you said. And characterization now. Yeah. I guess Picard is a big principal guy and he doesn't believe in conspiracies. But doesn't it also feel like he just had a tactical sense that quoting Norisati's father would unhinge her? Oh, he 100%. He fucking pwned her. He's like, yeah. okay, well, if you're going to do this, I'm going to do this. This is what I got. <laughs> He kind of doesn't answer any of the charges that she levels against him <laughs> no. and instead just uh, says, you know, your dad once said, and then the admiral walks out and it's kind of over. That's not such a great look. Like, he, it kind of looks like a deflection. Uh, to me, it looked like he knew exactly how to destroy this fucking lady. Yeah. Uh, Riker gets assigned as counsel, but he doesn't have a lot to do this week because he directed the episode. Mm. So kind of like... Uh, Kind of like when the offspring, he just shows up for one scene to kiss a lady and then, you know. Yeah. Uh, no one else is really in this one except for Worf. And Worf doesn't come off great. <laughs> this is a bad fucking beat for Worf. Yeah. The way Nick Saban brings up his discommendation and then tells <laughs> Worf he has their full confidence and then Worf gets all into it. Uh-huh. Looks like he's a big sucker. Even if he gets a decent little... I believed her speech at the end. Yeah. Which also, by the way, makes it seem like he's putting the blame on Nora Sati. Yeah. Not. <laughs> Can you believe what that lady did? Deflecting. Exactly. Kind of not really taking responsibility for his own. Yeah. Getting carried away by this. It's true. It's like he goes, it's like he's standing with her. And then in mid scene, he goes and stands behind Picard and goes, how did we let this happen? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, so Worf doesn't come off great. No one else is really in it. And even Picard, I mean, I get it. And he gets to give some good speeches, but mm. I only gave it a four and I'm guessing you probably gave it a seven. Uh, I gave it a six. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Troy rolls her eyes and says, I work with a black guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Klingon. Mm hmm. Uh, then she says it's hard to tell if Jadan is lying, so why is she there? It's like, by the way, was that, was that defense less cliche in 1992, (laughs) or are we supposed to hear Troy when he (laughs) says, you you guys are prejudiced against me because I'm Klingon, and then she says, our Uh, chief of security is Klingon, so it's not that. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Or are we supposed to go, Jesus, Troy. (laughs) Well, that's what I did. (laughs) Well, for for sure, me too, it's my top quick hitter, but like. (laughs) I went, oh, she rolls her eyes. Yeah, I went. Oh wow, what a f- b. Um, and again, then she says it's hard to tell if Jadan is lying. And then I just went, Why is she here? What is she yeah. doing in this room? Well, <laughs> it is true that <laughs> Riker and Troy are running the interrogation just until like Norisati shows up, and then they're on break. <laughs> well, good because I n- I never approve of her work in that room. Um. 
Worf takes a prisoner for a walk around the block because the guy tried to bribe him. It's <laughs> weirdly full of integrity and lacking it entirely. Uh-huh. His response to that. Don't you ever try to bribe me or I'll abuse all the prisoners. Yeah, he, he yeah, hits him with a couple of phone books because they don't bruise. It's it's <laughs> yeah. not great. But it's because he's insulted. It's honor. You know, uh-huh. it's like, okay. Yep. Worf, you got a weird way of going about your business. Um, I, Then I have here, does Worf just like to be praised? Is that why he falls in love with these two goons? They fall all over themselves complimenting him. Uh, The whole episode's a bad look for your guy, for sure. Yeah. Goes full McCarthy trials. Um, But at least in this one, he doesn't beat up a mean lawyer. He almost does. (laughs) He moves toward them, and Picard has to tell him not to. But he does worse in DS9. That guy was so solid. (laughs) You mean the lawyer that he beat up? Uh Uh-huh. The one who just wanted to win? Uh Uh-huh. That guy's great. Um... Picard never has a leg to stand on with this Betazoid business. Why does he try? <laughs> like, what's he supposed to say back when someone says, this is how you use your Betazoid? Like, he has no defense for that. No, he kind of knows it. Yeah, like, he was the only it. thing, The only thing that I can say is that he didn't offer some half-ass shit like, well, she's only empathic. Or whatever. Right. Well, she's only a, a halfsy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he sees this shit coming from a mile away and doesn't hesitate to speak up about it. Like, right from the start, he's making objections to this lady about it, and I appreciated that. No scenes where he thinks something might be wrong, but just kind of sits on it. I think it goes to, well, obviously, one, they didn't have enough time in this episode, but two, that Picard's just so used to everybody listening to everything he has to say that he's instantly like, no, I don't think so, though. Yeah, but also, isn't he the kind of guy who fucking hates being questioned about his decisions? Like, we know that whatever went down at the Stargazer court-martial, he for sure thought Philippa Louvois was out for him. Mm-hmm. That was some kind of lover's quarrel to him. Yeah. Um, I got the feeling that it was kind of like when Q said he's going to go up against Riker and Picard was so happy. <laughs> I think that's how he felt when he got called to testify. I think so, too. He's like, I'm going to fucking trounce this old bee tomorrow. Everyone, please come watch. It's going to be pretty good. Yeah, she's been dealing with uh, stuttering, terrified Simon Tarsis. <laughs> yeah, the crewman. This one ain't going to be like that. <laughs> no, I ain't going down like that. Yeah, I think he was very... I think it was the best case scenario for him. Because he's like, good, I can be done tomorrow. Tomorrow, <laughs> this will all be done. Um, And because of his forthright objection to everything that happens and the way he destroys this crazy old lady. I gave it a six, but it's a bad Worf is what keeps it from being higher. Cause Worf is, um, very enthusiastic about the bad trick in this episode. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Uh, quick hitters. Yeah. Um, Jadan goes, <laughs> I take injections. Everyone knows that. <laughs> hey buddy, why would everyone know that? Everybody don't know you and your Balthazar syndrome. <laughs> what are you talking about? I get the feeling that this dude wasn't a good liar. <laughs> and it was maybe a bad choice for a spy. That this dude came on board and day. told everybody, <laughs> now I take injections. So when you see me injecting myself or others later. It's a normal thing that I do. extremely normal. Also, my hypospray looks a little different than yours. It's because so of my Balthazar syndrome. <laughs> don't ask questions about it. I have Balthazar syndrome. <laughs> 
Then when Worf waves the hypo syringe in front of him, he goes into crazy confession mode. Uh -huh. He just instantly starts yelling about it. Yeah, well, he tells you the story is not about him. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, it's like a Law and Order episode or something. What do I need to do to get off of this, get out of this episode? Uh, again, the way Pat Stu says, Aaron always makes me smile. I saw that lady walk in in her outfit, and I could only think it's a normal collar. Find a new slant. <laughs> She's got the craziest hey. future collar I've ever seen. Hey, they say it 15 times. She's a retired admiral. Uh -huh. But I guess this is how she dresses in her casual clothes life. This is... And she wears it the whole episode, so like... It's like, it's, it is a robe that the people with the big brains who keep the humans in zoos wear. <laughs> yep, the one who the one who bet on the Quatlus or the other aliens? Oh, the ones from the cage or whatever. Well, you know it's not the ones who bet on Quatlus. They don't wear just brains and domes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet 3,000 Quatlus. Um... Anyway, yeah, her grandma. Uh oh, uh oh, dude, we're starting to we're starting to miss the we're starting to miss TOS. <laughs> well, I'll always miss those moments. The moments where the <laughs> the bad guys turn out to be alien uh brains and jars. You're like, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> but unfortunately it's that same episode where Chekhov uh he gets the big lady. And I just makes it's him comfortable. <laughs> I love the idea that they pitched in the room for quat loose. <laughs> Well, they wouldn't bet in dollars. No, 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 not dollars. Uh, they call him Quatloos. It's a name I've been okay. working on. All right, that's a good first one. Let's see if we can... No, 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 no. It's Quatloos. It's Quatloos, or I'm, I'm leaving. It's Quatloos. I'm Gene Coon, and I, what I say goes, it's Quatloos. <laughs> Quatloos. All right. Um, uh, this Betazoid guy, Saban, has got a Fox News face. Uh-huh. I saw that guy, and I absolutely believed he had fucking bad news written all over him <laughs> uh worst actor candidate simon tarsis i wrote that scene where he um refuses to answer in that uh that the answer might serve to incriminate might serve him. to incriminate him yeah the way he spits out that last part and covers his face in shame was not very good i couldn't tell if one of those security officers was lita alexander but we covered it it's cameron um <laughs> Picard said the name of the episode. Um, did you say she was on no birth? Because I thought an Excelsior drops her off. Nah, she blows in on a no birth. Oh, okay, that sucks. That's uh, maybe that if you're a retired admiral, that's what you get. <laughs> well, you don't even right, get a cool Excelsior quick hitter. <laughs> uh, and again, the thing about the admiral walking out totally made my day. That's it. Uh. Yeah, like you said, Troy immediately goes to, I have a black friend, I can't possibly be racist. Yep. Um, another fun thing my dad used to do was bind all of his children's feet together and throw us in the lake. We had to work together or drown. He was a titan among men. <laughs> and you filthy his name when you speak it. Uh, is Simon Tarsis considered to have a pretty good career, given shots on the flagship? Because yeah. well, Picard does say that a young man's career lies in ruins, and it's like, I don't know, is this what he wanted to do when he couldn't wait to join Starfleet? Is be the fifth guy in Beverly Crusher's chain of command giving shots to aliens? He's giving shots to the weird alien who turns not out even to be Nurse a spy. Ogawa. Oh, Nurse Ogawa wouldn't bother with that shit. Nah. she got work to do. Uh, Hey, if Picard asked you to come over for tea after that, 
aren't you on the horn with Riker like, Should do I, I have to this? go? Yeah. Does the seventh guarantee cover this too? Because this seems like a trap. I don't think I should go. I don't think I should go, right? But you know I mean, Riker would, would... What good could possibly come of this? And the Riker would be like, just go. Just go. That guy's basically my dad. You have to go. He makes these triangle sandwiches. But <laughs> eat them fast because the meetings tend to be really short. That's right. Yeah, if he invites you for a meeting, you know. Like, you don't start, need to... Start at the sandwiches. It might be a quick meeting. You don't need to block off an hour for sure. Like, you'll be in and out. <laughs> uh, what do we do with Nora Sati's assistants? Especially slimy-ass Sabin. Yeah. Like... Are they responsible at all for this old woman's behavior, or are they going to walk? I mean, I hope they don't walk, but, like, I don't even know what's going to happen to her. Again, I'm pretty sure that they're just going to bury all this shit. She's just going to go back into retirement, and they aren't going to call her anymore. It's basically what's going to happen to her. And then, like you said, I guess serving admirals are transported by Excelsior-class ships, and retired ones only get a birth-class accommodation. It's a real rough downgrade. (laughs) It kind of is. Uh, best actor, you know I always like Thomas Henry's bullshit walk. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I they don't even give actor. that guy a line, do they? <laughs> no. It's rough. Nope, he just has to sit there <laughs> during the hearing and then look disgusted and get up and walk out. It's still the best part of the thing. Yep. <laughs> um, I give worst actor to Bribery Jadan. Yeah. Uh he's like way after Worf has, is clearly not going for it. He's already like, no one would have to know. <laughs> he's bad at everything. Jatan is a bad spy for sure. That was a bad choice for a spy. Oh, so in the end, you pulled me up two points. We only ended up apart by nine on this one. Oh, nice. Uh, Disagree. I'm giving us. it two more points. So it has the record. Nine. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> It wouldn't. The record for you is thirteen. Wait, I'm, I've had one where I was thirteen ahead of you. Yeah, you have a you have a uh, thirteen on this one. Oh damn! Okay, All right. I don't remember which one it is, and frankly, I thought the record thirteen was 10. is so much. Yeah, you're right. There is a thirteen. Damn. All right. Yeah, that may never. That's probably whichever one you have the highest. I mean, I think what was we your both top was a thirty-one. I think we no, both it was a twenty-five on that one. Yeah, that... that's like both of our highest. I think. Yeah, there must be something that you liked that I was real cold on. <laughs> uh, that'll be a fun scavenger hunt for everybody. Find the episode Matt and I are 13 points apart on. <laughs> and there's one where I'm 10 higher than him. It happens every once in a while. And now I'm not used Although, to the... Not so much lately. I'm not used to the colors on the spreadsheet anymore because of my night mode. My night uh, mode, like, randomized the colors. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I can't tell what's good or bad. Yeah, it doesn't know that those colors are meaningful. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, second place last week was Voyager. This week we watched Night. Everybody ready for more holodeck nonsense? This time we got a dumb old black and white Buck Rogers sci-fi bullcrap program. Except it's called Captain Proton. And it stars TP. <laughs> it's really great. We're going to spend you know, way too much he time He doesn't here. let Harry Kim play Captain Proton. <laughs> no, of course not. This is his sex program. They're all sex programs. 
Uh, anyway, Shmolus wants to do opera instead in there, so he and TP fight like babies and make all the panels go beep, beep, boop, and then the holodeck breaks. Um, Seven comes in and says, Bad news, we're in the middle of a 2,500 light year zone of nothingness. <laughs> no ships or stars or people or anything. It's And they're only two months into a two-year journey to get through this fucker, so... Chaco's bummed out about it, but he knows Kate is going to be even more bummed. Credits. They uh, they have a staff briefing, and everyone's sarcastic and kind of mean, like it's Chaco's fault or something. Yeah. And Janeway has been a hermit for two months, I guess, like Spock just looting it up in his quarters that time. Well, that did happen. I forgot about that. Yeah. And that seems shitty even for her. To just abandon the crew, but that's what she's doing. Um, Neelix wakes up from a bad dream and has an anxiety attack. And then he tries to make TP and Balana stop fighting in the mess hall and has a worse anxiety attack. And the doctor says it's because of his big fear of nothingness. <clears throat> Which the space is making it, it's aggravating it. Um, I don't know if you said this yet, but it's fucking pitch black out all the windows. Because there they, ain't nothing. They, in, can't, and they, they can't see no stars or nothing. Yeah, and then in the beginning, someone must have brought that up. Like, well, it wouldn't be dark. You'd still see the stars in the distance. And then um, a writer went, well, there'll be a radiation. <laughs> so well, because you, of the theta radiation, they can't. They can't see any stars, so it's dark out there. Um, two, four, and seven detect a dangerous amount of theta radiation. Um... Chaco goes to Janeway's quarters to tell her about it, but she just stands in the shadows and refuses to be nice. Yeah. I guess she's suddenly having guilt, but like <laughs> not about all the bad stuff she did. I guess that she hasn't done more bad stuff. No, she only has guilt about the consequences to her crew. She's guilty. Of her initial decision. About not fucking over the Okampa is what it sounds like. Yeah. Anyway, she'll never, ever come out of her quarters again, so too bad for everyone who's desperate to see her. Uh, Harry, Kim, and Tuvok are having a music appreciation hour on the bridge, and TP and Seven are playing Captain Proton on the holodeck when all of the systems go down. I mean, the holodeck doesn't, but I, I, mean, don't, it, I don't know what to do with it. It does, and it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, like, the power goes out in the holodeck, but, like... They're still in the holodeck. They're in the same set, and they still have props from the holodeck. So I don't. And they're still in black and white. Yeah, I don't really know what to do with it. Um, Chaco finds a panicky Neelix in the dark. Tuvok and Kim get enough sensors back to detect a ship off their bow, and they rig up a flare to shoot out so they can see what it is. Um, but meanwhile, an alien attacks TP on the holodeck, and Seven stuns it. Then Chaco and Neelix run into one, but they're saved from a suddenly awake Janeway, who's commandoing around the corridors. <laughs> Janeway helps them get power back, and then Tuvok detects three ships. See, what happened was BB-8 showed up with the <laughs> other piece of the map, and Janeway, that was her key yeah, to come to life. That's right. Um, anyway, they fire warning shots at these three vessels they see, and they... The, then another vessel fly, oh okay then that ship uh, those ships return fire and are fucking up Voyager but then another vessel flies up and it scares those aliens off and the captain of the new ship is some kind of toxic waste man he's a uh, Malon 
and he he warns that these guys are totally fucked because there are thousands of these alien vessels ahead. Uh, when they say they have to keep moving forward anyway, he tells them, "All right, I'll take you to the cool wormhole that leads directly to the other side of the void." Yep. But you got to turn over that alien you captured during that little attack you had. Why? Not explained. He doesn't say why, and Janeway doesn't want to. And the guy says she has two hours to comply, or he'll be on his way without without taking her to the wormhole, I guess. I don't know. Um, the doctor's trying to save that alien, but he's dying of that theta radiation. And, um, you know, that's the same thing that that Malon ship is leaking all over the place. The guy says the Malon are poisoning their space, and he doesn't know why. They keep telling him that they're poisoning them, but the Malon don't care. So they're going to head back to this guy's people <clears throat> and have a chat about it, I guess. Uh, Tuvok and Chaco have an enemies-only chat about Janeway. <laughs> it starts with them acknowledging that they don't like each other. It's... A thing which really should have been resolved by you now. I think it would have been, especially because it came out of nowhere. Yeah. But no, they're still enemies. And... Um... Is it is it supposed to be because Tuvok was a spy on Chakotay's Maki crew? That was the only thing we could ever determine. But like, I mean, or like when he was playing spy, did he did he make out with Seska? <laughs> Maybe he did. Maybe he made out with all the ladies because he was told that's what the Maki do. He did it the Maki way. Chakotay was so confused about it that he kept asking like, "Whose baby is it?" <laughs> when she was pregnant, and he was like, "He meant him or." Kala, but he also meant Tuvok. He also meant it's, maybe Tuvok. Is it maybe Tuvok's? Well, look, it, we've talked about it before. It never makes any sense because no one's more of a Starfleet man than Chakotay. So, like, you <laughs> think really, he'd let it really go. should get along very well. Yeah, but no, he's, they're still enemies. Anyway, they have that chat about Janeway, uh, how crazy she is or whatever. Um, Then they meet the aliens again. Uh, they take their man back and... um. Janeway is dedicated to helping them uh, save them from the Malon, who again are poisoning their space or whatever. Um, Janeway tells the Malon captain uh, how they can better purify their antimatter waste so that they don't have to dump it in these these dudes' home. But the guy's like, you'll put me out of a job, though. Like, I <laughs> dump waste. That's what I do. So you can eat shit. Yep. And they tell him they can't just let it go, but he says his ship's way more masculine than theirs. Like, it's full of big dick and muscles and everything. So, <laughs> Chaco and Janeway chat about their options for a while. Janeway tells him to assemble the crew so she could tell them about her cool suicide mission. But the whole crew hulks up and tells her that they love her very much. And they can't just let her go off on a weird mission. So... I got a little confused at this point. I guess they're just going to run for the vortex and then, like, try to blow up the vortex. Behind them. But then, like, wouldn't that guy still be out they there polluting? They remembered that they could shoot weapons backwards. Right. But then wouldn't that guy still be out there polluting? Okay, but the only the amount that's in his ship. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, so they're just going to blow up the vortex as they're going through it or whatever. And the aliens kind of distract the Malon freighter long enough for Voyager to get in there and blow the fucker up. Um, again, by the way, must be, must fill that space with the uh, theta radiation when they blow up that garbage scow. <laughs> right? Yeah. They blow up that garbage scow and that shit must get everywhere. Riker handled it better in, um, the Samaritan snare. No, um, 
No, nah, the one the one where uh Picard and Wesley go to the final Starbase. mission. Yeah. Yeah, final mission. Um Wait, no. Is it final mission? No, it's the, the one, one where he goes to get his heart surgery, right? Yeah. I don't know. Isn't Final Mission the one with Drisky? Yes. Is that not the right one? No, nah, that ain't it. What's the that plot that's it, keeping them in that one? Isn't there something keeping them from searching for him? Fuck. In Drisky? Yeah. Uh, Remember they're on that... They get, called a- they get called away by... Is it a medical emergency? Is it one of the many plays? They plagues? have to attach a drone? No. <laughs> Sorry, the A-plot, B-plot's fucking me up on this one. Yeah, hold on. There's something uh, that's preventing them from going to search. So the, for the thing captain. with Picard is, uh, you remember that Pulaski has to come in to save his ass. So, uh, yeah, that's in the other one, the one. So that's got to be season two. Yes. Whereas Final Mission with Drisky is like right. much saying, later. Which one's the one where he's got the radiation ship? He's got a tow. Is I'm, that the one I'm from season two looking. or the one from season four or whatever? I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe Samaritan Snare is the... Wait. No, it wouldn't be... Samaritan Snare is that one, right? But he's busy with the with the Packlets. Yeah, That's the, the Packlets keep surgery. him busy in Samaritan Snare. Yeah. I guess it is Final Mission. All right. All right. Uh, anyway, they go inside this vortex or wormhole or whatever it is, and they blow it up while they're in it. But I don't know. It turns out okay. They come out... Yeah, well, they can't... <sighs> <laughs> they come out... They lose both of their warp nacelles. Uh-huh. Both of their warp nacelles get all shot up, and so they have to fucking ride a sick wave cowabunga <laughs> surf on their <laughs> rear shields uh-huh. to get through the wormhole. And then when they're on the other side, they must be in Malon space with no warp drive, but I <laughs> guess everything's going to be okay. Yeah, they come out just at the edge of the void, and within moments they can see stars again, and everyone's very happy to be out of the void, and, and that's the end of the episode. You're right that... They must not tell the Malons what happened. <laughs> Maybe that's how they get away with it. Oh, for sure. Maybe they go, well, hey, guy, you came out of that guy, void. What's up? And they're like, I don't know, man. It was crazy in there. This guy gives away some great information that he shouldn't, which mm-hmm. is that no one else but him and his crew know the location of this vortex. This, and that's why this is such a great dumping ground for him. Yeah, because I guess they can't dump so just I, at the edge because it's too close to their space. So it's great. He can go into the middle of this void or whatever. Yeah, so uh, I guess the other Malon are never going to find out what happened to him. Yep, that's right. <laughs> They'll never know he was a piece of crap. Because he's like, when they offer him the technology, he's like, oh, my people would love this. But they're never going to have it. Because uh, yeah. I got a cool job here. It's I know it doesn't look cool. It looks like my skin's coming off or whatever. But like this is a great job. And I'm not going to let you jeopardize it. The guy chooses the job where his skin's coming off. Mm-hmm. It's dedication right there. Uh, what was this one about? Um, I guess this is ultimately kind of a rumination on whether... Whether a moral choice is still moral if it's going to cause a lot of suffering mm-hmm. to people you care about. That's right. right. Should you sell out everyone else for your friends? Like, it's pretty clear that the intent is to put Janeway in the well, what would you do scenario yeah. to convince her that her decision at the end of Caretaker was right. Uh-huh. And ultimately, they would probably have made the same decision if not, you know, for... um being able to hang 10 <laughs> then surf USA. Yep, exactly. Um 
I think ultimately what she's asking here is whether the cost of that decision was was too high. And mm-hmm. so really what that means is um you know, should do you have to fact do you factor that in when you're making these decisions and does it how do you weigh it with the morality of the decision on its own? Okay. It's not a it's a poser. It's not an outright answer, right? Okay. I, you don't think uh, they answer it in the end by everyone being so happy and and grateful and how cool everything ends up? I I think that we are, are expected to believe that the answer is that sometimes you're going to have to take some lumps to do the right thing, right? Right. But it is it's left a little bit open-ended because they just techno babble their way out of it this time. <laughs> they definitely do. Um I don't think there's, I think it's an interesting question and I think they're leaning towards the answer that I would like. I gave it as much as five. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as much as I wanted this episode to be about the Malon and the other aliens and their whole. No, it's it's right. Because there's like a big environmental message that could also be taken from this, except it's not what Janeway is struggling with. Everyone, there's no one on the other side of that one. Right. Yeah. The mustache twirling bad guy is not good enough. Um so this yeah, this episode's clearly about Janeway. I guess it's if you act with courage and conviction, no matter the results, you shouldn't feel that you failed. Right? That's what we're supposed to feel at the end, that Janeway's weird, dumb problem. She feels like she failed the crew when she stranded them in this quadrant, even though not doing so would have required them to sell out the Ocampa. Mm-hmm. And everybody hugs her and gives her their powers on the bridge. In that one Just like scene, the way the United States sold out Taiwan. Yeah, that's a, a great shame. If only Nixon could go to China. Only Nixon could fuck Taiwan in the ass. Uh, anyway, and everybody hugs her and gives her their powers on the bridge in that one scene, and then she feels better. And then they risk their lives to save some aliens again, I guess. So, um, I think it's a worthy message, even though it is dumb that she's worried about it. But she sucks. She got up in her. She got up in her own head. It's she had too much time to think. Like there have been fifteen instances where she was going to blow up the whole ship to save nobody. Yep. None of those times was she worried about it. But she, you know, ten minutes in the dark, and she was like, "What have I done?" <laughs> Did the doctor diagnose her before he diagnosed Neelix? Because I think she's got the same thing. Then when Chicote says to Tufak, "Oh, she she told you about that," and he was like, "I've been observing her for years," he should have said. Also, I walked by her quarters the other day and I heard her shout, Oh God, Tuvix, why? <laughs> if only God, that would be great. If she really <laughs> felt that, that would be amazing. How do we revisit that? We should have an episode where she has to revisit Tuvix and we never will. Yeah, would you call that episode Three Vix? Oh man, where three people, including Tuvok and Neelix, get fucking sucked correct. into one yeah. person. And then they get to yeah, live. It's, oh, it's, man. Tuv- it's, uh, it's Tuvok and Neelix and maybe the uh, Wildman baby. <laughs> so, so Threevix is much less capable because it's one third baby. It's one third baby. But, but that also, baby knows all about the Great Forest or whatever. It's but called. also, Janeway wants to get that baby back because it's a baby. Well, she's already worked very hard in the past to make that baby survive. So, I um, guess what the scenario that I'm describing would be a much less difficult choice to make, huh? <laughs> yeah. I've stacked the deck both ways by making two Vicks much less cool. Yes. Uh, three Vicks much less cool That's than two right. Vicks. No one's even going to care if three Vicks goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I give it a six. Um, execution. Again, why is Janeway upset she didn't also sell out the Ocampa like she did with everyone else in this part of space? 
hey, do you remember last week when that guy, not Sam Neill, fucking broke down about how you, you caused the death of all of his people? You know who he is because we named the episode after him. Ray Wise Sparkles. That's um, correct. Ray Sparkles Wise. <laughs> she doesn't, she didn't care at all about that. But suddenly she's like, maybe I should have fucked over the Ocampa a little bit more. Like, it would have been okay. We'd be home. They'd be dead. What if I just sold them out? Their lifespan's only eight years. No, what I'm, am I doing? Yeah, like, they'd already basically be dead by now anyway. Like, who cares? All of the adults would be dead by now. <laughs> I, she's awful. She's a selfish, whining turd. And I already told you I do not fuck with her anymore. Like, she's <laughs> on McCoy's level. Nothing that happens in this episode would change your mind. Like, no. she's going to go do a suit. She's going to try and do a suicide mission. She's a, she's like such a Luke Skywalker in this one. She's like, I'm yeah. shutting myself away and no one will ever see me again. And it's like, why would that be what you need to do in this situation? Yeah. Again, I would have made this an environmentalist episode and left the Janeway stuff on the cutting room floor. Um, yet another huge feature in space that they can't go around... Uh-huh. At least this time they didn't know it would be dangerous to go through it. Just dark Oh, yeah, and boring. apparently they just got in there and they're like, uh-oh, no stars. <laughs> There's no stars in here and it's very boring. Oh, fuck me. We're in a Nagilam. It's Nagilam, everyone. I read about, I read Picard's laws. <laughs> That's we right. Got, Nagilam, we're not going to do it, buddy. Yeah. We'll blow up the ship, too. I know your trick. You're going to open up a little star field for us to go toward and you're going to close it at the last minute. I do that mean. even more than Picard, so... <laughs> Don't think you're going to be able to come in here as seven of nine and call me Catherine. Ain't going to work. <laughs> By the way, it takes seven of nine two months to figure out that they in this thing for the long haul. I think it takes her two months to figure out where the end of it is. She just keeps scanning ahead and ahead and ahead and being yeah. like, there ain't nothing. Uh, still, just in terms of watching it, it felt like kind of an average Voyager episode. Like It could have been worse, but it's not good. I gave it a four. I mean, ultimately, the whole point of the episode is subverted because Chakotay just has a marginally better plan mm -hmm. so that they can try to do the right thing without having to suffer two more years in the void. Right. And um, that's a little unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. Sells it out. Uh, I will say that this garbage slug is the first real depiction of a capitalist we've seen in Star Trek <laughs> recently. <laughs> yep. Uh not only does he only care about money, but he's unwilling to budge to make even a little bit less of a profit. That's right. Like, she's still like, well, but you'll have the technology. You can sell it. He's like, nah, I make so much money that you have no idea. I'm not going to make <laughs> right. slightly less money. That's right. You don't know what I make for this. Don't act like I you know my business. I found a hole I can dump garbage into. Are you kidding me? I dump it all the time. I make a million runs a day because I use the wormhole. And yeah. this stuff is toxic. People will pay to get rid of it. Anyway, I'm sure he's got his minimum wage crew convinced that if they blow the whistle, it'll cost them their jobs, too. Uh -huh. They probably voted for him to an alarming degree. Now, having said that, <laughs> the introduction of Captain Proton makes my teeth and bones hurt. Oh, it's not good. Um, having Janeway go AWOL only to emerge with a rifle and start blasting does not improve my feelings about her or the show. That's fair. And the whole thing feels like a reset or a course correction, like Way of the Warrior. Okay, yeah. But but to what? Like, are they finally going to be worried about getting home now? Is that, <laughs> now that, that we're where in we are? Season five. 
<laughs> be nice if they try at some point. That'd be cool. Um, there was still more bad than good this week, and uh, I only gave it a three for execution. I would like to make mine a three as well, after reading okay. what I wrote and hearing what you wrote. <laughs> Listen, good for them for giving us a realistic capitalist. Yes. <laughs> the guy is like, I, I know, like, I know my skin's coming off, but like, I'm so rich. I'm not giving up the money. I love money. <laughs> uh, in terms of world building, yeah, um, the void is nothing. Uh huh. It's so nothing. It, it's if thinking about it for one second makes you dumber. Yeah. Um, the 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 fact that they recycle this byproduct from the warp drive and use it to power the rest of the ship is maybe saying something about, again, there's a minor environmental message here that suggests that Starfleet has figured out that you can be environmental and gain from it. Right. Not just, not just, you know, take a hit like that. There are plus sides to this environmental Mm -hmm. message. Um, that's the one good thing. Other than that, we have the holodeck can do black and white stuff. Uh, and when you disable the safeties, it knows what to do with a Captain Proton ray gun. (laughs) Yeah, it does. She disables the safeties. Yeah. And that ray gun shoots a guy and the computer doesn't go, you know, like error. You didn't program what to do with this guy. (laughs) Like you didn't make it a phaser or a real gun of any kind. It's, (laughs) <laughs> the computer, and in particular, the holodeck computer, is so good at making decisions on the fly. And the fucking holodeck just made that thing a phaser and then put the put the, the holodeck safeties on. So when she turned them off, you could zap that tree bark guy. Yep. Uh, I gave it as much as two for making a minor environmental point. Yep, I gave it a two as well. This preposterous region of space where there's apparently nothing. They rolled back all of those holodeck expansions the Herogen made, but now I mm-hmm. guess we're going back to holodeck expansion again. Yeah, people are bored. Put it in one of those one of those empty cargo bays that a ship that is apparently stocked to make a two year voyage doesn't need. <laughs> yep. Like it'll become empty eventually. But if you already have an empty cargo bay two months in, you're not going to make it. You're going to have to go back and go around no matter how long it takes. That's right. Uh, Dorada is some kind of chess. Some kind of chess game. When the power goes down, most things in the holodeck go away, but not everything. (laughs) They call the flare they make a warp flare, except I don't know what makes it warp. (laughs) It just seems like a flare to me, but... He says it's got, like, um, multi-luminous capabilities, Uh but then they call it a warp flare. Anyway, I guess there's a stable wormhole in this void. Those are supposed to be pretty rare. Then they blow it up, so that's... It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, (laughs) They do collapse the one stable wormhole they find. Yeah, that is true. We don't know how long it's been there, whether whether it's really stable or temporarily stable, like they found that other one. Yeah. You can blow up a wormhole while you're in it, and it seems fine. Um, as long as you're faster than the shockwave. Yeah. I wrote I could see a one, but you gave it a two, so it's a two. Yeah. <clears throat> Characterization. Like I said, Janeway's a real Luke Skywalker, just quitting on the crew. She says she longs for the days when they were under constant attack. Guess. In fact, as soon as they're under attack, she goes commando. 
Hey, remind me, did anybody die last week? <laughs> we did say, will anyone ever talk about this dead guy? Uh, just no. Just a question that I have: Was anybody killed last week? <laughs> hey, that was when two they months were ago. Under at attack least. by someone who had a personal vendetta against her. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And she tells Chaco she finally has something to put in her fucking diary or whatever. Great. Yeah. Uh, anyway, as usual, she makes this latest crisis all about her, and decides on a some kind of suicide mission. What was her even? What, what's her dumb mission to blow up a shuttle or something? I don't even know. I don't even know that she had a plan. She just asserted that she would be able to close the thing, and then she would try to make it across the void herself, mm-hmm. to, sulking two and a half years in a shuttle. Yeah, just to stop the alien of the week, I guess. Um, yep. She also says she trusts Chaco more than anybody. Must be because of that hot bathtub sex on that planet. Hey, well, it used to be Tuvok, but he betrayed her in season one. <laughs> it was early You on. may remember. But she goes to Kim when she needs a razor on the bridge to stop Chaco and the gang. She's like, "Oh yeah, well check this out, Ensign Kim." And then he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't do anything either. But it's like that's who you were gonna go with. That was her whole plan. I know you. I know he's loyal well, to you because you're his mom. The guy she really wanted to go with was Lieutenant the Guy who got killed two weeks ago, but, <laughs> but it's, too late. It's just Harry Kim now. Yeah. Aha! You she didn't knows- count on Ensign Kim being here. She really counts on him thinking of her as his mommy, mm-hmm. and uh, she doesn't realize that he's getting sassy this season. That's right. He's the new Harry Kim now. He has the confidence to write a clarinet concerto with no accompaniment. <laughs> he's the he's the Garrett Wang. He's the Garrett Wong of Harry Kim's now. He's yeah. Harry Kim with Garrett Wong's confidence. Yes. Uh, TP says some shit about Balana only wanting to do shit with Klingon pain sticks, even though he's always telling her she has to be more Klingon. Yeah. Seems like a weird thing to say about her. Uh, he wants everyone to see his weird children's hero fantasy. He even makes... Yeah, he keeps, he takes seven of nine there. He even makes seven plays. And makes her play his secretary. It's rough. Neelix has an anxiety disorder. I thought that was going to be part of the episode. Because we kept just seeing stuff where Neelix was having a freak out. But, like, it kind of doesn't have anything to do with it. No. I mean, he's had a weird, dark backstory. So that kind of tracks, actually, that he has an anxiety (laughs) disorder. It seems like if you really had a fear of nothingness, you'd have a hard time living in space (laughs) as a... In his little shuttle as a weird scrapper. Hey, maybe that's why he was a hoarder. Maybe that helped him cope. That might be. Did Tuvok make a joke about the view from his quarters being less than stellar lately? No one acknowledged it, no. so it's very difficult to tell. I didn't know if they just used the expression not realizing it was also a play right. on words. Normally someone would say, Tuvok, you made a joke. Yeah. And then he'd say, you are a racist. That's why I had to put it in the notes. I was like, no one said anything. Was that not not supposed to be a joke? Uh, anyway, he's still enemies with Chaco and besties with Kate. Um, again, Harry Kim wrote a concerto about the void, and I wanted to hear more of it. I was disappointed. Well, especially because we really only heard one melodic line repeated over and over again. I wanted to hear what he came up with. We didn't get to. It seems like the beginning and the end of it are identical. Yes, that's right. Chaco's worried about Janeway and the crew and is way better at being captain than Janeway is. Um, also, she asks him if he's ready to be captain and he says, yeah, yes, I can do it. <laughs> Not like, why do you ask or what are you, what are you implying or anything? He's just like, yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, I've been captain for the last two months, and I feel like I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, it's only even a two because they decide to do the right thing in the end, but like. It's not great. I didn't like anybody. <laughs> Only Chaco was likable even a little bit. Yep. Uh, we're in lockstep on this one. I also gave it a two. Yeah. Um, okay, Janway sucks big time for sulking in her quarters when the ship needs leadership. And Chakotay and Tuvok let that go on for way too long. Mm-hmm. But That's what happens Chakotay when you're Tuvok. friends with everybody. Yeah, that if, is true. If, she, if they had proper distance... From captain to security officer or captain to first officer, then they would have come to her like three days in and gone, where the fuck are you? Hey, what the hell? Where you been? Are you relinquishing your command? What's going on? I'll be happy. I do feel I'm ready to be captain. It's in your contract. If you are out for three days without (laughs) a doctor's note, you're fired. That's right. And here we do things the Starfleet way. Um... Yeah, but Chakotay and Tuvok also get that beef out in the open, which is good for them. It's so pointless. What is? What are the writers ever doing? <laughs> like, why don't they ever get it right? Why don't they ever just, like, make a good one? They never will, my friend. I don't think they will. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else? Tom Paris has a new dumb hobby, and Harry Kim thinks a concerto is played with one instrument. <laughs> Um, Balana's cranky, Schmollis is cranky, Neelix is a baby. Very little good work is done here. I thought for a second mm-hmm. Seven asking Tuvok about meditation was going to be good. Yeah. But then she just said, put Borg shit in your head, idiot. <laughs> Don't be dumb. Be a Borg like me. Like she's like, uh, uh, the, looking at the stars helps you meditate. And he's like, I envision each one as a single thought. And then she's like, that's dumb. You're an idiot. <laughs> and so I was like, ah, oh, fuck. That's right. It could have been the one good scene in this episode. It wasn't good. For sure. <sighs> so it's a two for me. Well, what about quick ones? Maybe this will salvage this. Uh, Hey, imagine complaining that Janeway isn't running around the ship executing people. <laughs> it's true it would be kind of nice not having her around uh there was a real space ghost level zoom on the blank view screen (laughs) yep Uh, they had to show you with real effectiveness that there's nothing out there they just zoomed in on a still image though and it was so obvious because it just got grainier and grainier the more (laughs) they zoomed it was just it was clearly done in cropping and it was just very sad yeah uh, hey, the uh, Gaki no Tsukai guys played this Dorada game Ooh. on a show once. They have a little mini-series where they play table games from around the world. Ooh. Uh, it's not complicated enough to have named gambits. Uh, it didn't look you like You just it. try to get five in a row that are the same in one of several. Same height, same color, or same pattern on the top. Okay. So, yeah, probably not it doesn't gambits. seem to be as complicated as the game they were playing. Yeah. Uh, is this the most Janeway has ever sucked? It's By the way, if you can ask that, that's crazy because she sucks on the regular. I have taken to watching these with headphones on. Mm-hmm. So I got to hear an unseen extra in the background say, man, the lock plate. <laughs> Keep wondering what the lock plate is. Uh, later, he told someone he put a really, he improvised some really good dialogue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why did the lights go out in Captain Proton? 
Yeah. How did Billings get a ship named after it? <laughs> Seriously. Like, are there 40 ships in Starfleet or 25,000? <laughs> You'd have to go so long before it was worth naming a ship after Billings. Anyway, it's not even Bozeman. The USS Billings. It's not even Bozeman. It's not where, even Bozeman. Where Zeacock did his business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was nearby, you know, relatively speaking. Yep. <laughs> I mean, when you think about the whole Earth. <laughs> um. Just like, just like fucking Trevian, this little piggy wants to keep his racket going. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that one. We will get to that one. We're about to get to that one. Um, fuck, man. These brown aliens had more than enough ships to blow up this Malon garbage truck all by themselves. Three of them were the difference between Voyager doing nothing yeah. and blowing it to Kingdom Come. These guys just needed a little self-confidence. Yeah, and he claims there are thousands of those ships in there. So, yeah. like, what have they been doing? Yeah. Hey, fucking nothing. Yeah. And by the Again, way, they're, they're the only dying. ones that live in this space. Why do their ships have weapons? We'll get it. It's a whole thing. <laughs> but and By the way, they are all dying. All of them, right? Every single one of them is dying. Of where you'd think that they would have just run some fire ships into this. That's guy what I'm at saying. Point, Not right? one suicide attack or anything. They're just all gonna die like bitches, I guess. Fuck. Anyway, three of them show up and knock the shields on this bad boy down enough that Voyager can put a couple torpedoes in it, mm. and it's like ah, they could have beat this guy. Yep. They got in their heads about it and went right back up the straight. That's the right. center force went right back up the straight <laughs> said, every no. time. No, there's an ambush over there. I know how this works. Uh, no, 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 they're not one. gonna give me yeah i'm going back with my ships your suicide ships my suicide ships i'm taking them home best actor this week controller emk yeah uh worst actor this week identity crisis but brown <laughs> yeah you I mean yes they did look like that <laughs> and you'd be able to tell which one was jordy right away for sure he wouldn't have the tail or whatever, whatever yeah well he wasn't fully transformed yeah what about you? I didn't have any quick hitters. Moving on. <laughs> All right. The winner last week was Deep Space Nine. Uh, this week we watched The Quickening. By the way, I think that reason that always happens on Voyagers because the episodes are always very bad and I can't help but put all my sarcastic shit into the description <laughs> while I'm watching it. Uh, I also, uh, for, I mean, I had like three quick hitters for Enterprise this week yeah. and it was much the same. All right. Hey, Quark is in trouble for using official station <laughs> station resources to advertise for Quark's bar. Quark is in much <laughs> less trouble than he should be. He hacked the Defiant. Yeah, he did. Worf is, Worf's mad about it. No one else is that mad about it. Yeah, everyone else thinks it's pretty fun, yeah. and they want one of those mugs. Yeah, they do. Uh, in other news, and I know this will be hard to believe, but Kira, Bashir, and Dax are on a Gamma <laughs> Quadrant adventure. <laughs> I don't even remember why they are out there, because I don't care. Biological survey! Okay, well, but there isn't a good enough reason is what I wrote. Um... Anyway, we're back to Frontier Medicine Bashir this week, who claims the stars shine a little brighter in the Gamma Quadrant because of yep. the threat of death and violence. <laughs> um, they receive a distress signal from a planet saying that they've been attacked or whatever, and uh, so they go there because, again, it's an, <laughs> it's an adventure. 
hey, there's three people in a runabout. They mm-hmm. can probably handle plan- whatever attack. Yeah, whatever kind of planetary bombardment is happening, they'll be able to stop. Pretty sure. We got this one, you guys. They get there, they beam down, and they find... Um, everybody here has some kind of dang plague. I mean, one, the society's in yeah. ruins. But, like, they call it the Blight. And um, when it quickens... There's your episode title. Uh-huh. Um, folks die really quick and painfully, and it's bad. Um, anyway, the first lady they run into collapses and asks to see Trevian, who's also alternately called in this episode Trevian and Trevian. You want the secret for this guy? Sure. His name is an anagram of the word veteran. Uh. And Ecoria was originally Ecorio, which is an anagram of the word rookie. And that is a technique that the writer describes to help them get a handle on the characters. Oh, uh, he's a veteran of this whole struggle. Uh-huh. And the uh-huh. other lady? <laughs> she a rookie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, she wants to see uh, Trevian or Trevian or Trevian at the hospital. Uh, it's said multiple different ways. I prefer Trevian. <laughs> Trevian's fine. Because that's in the scene where they're all dying and calling out <laughs> for him. That's what they mostly The say. horrifying scene. Uh, they get the lady there, but they find out, man, this ain't a hospital. It's a cool place to die. Trevian walks in with all the, and all, all the patients give thanks to him and like make toasts to Trevian and the yep. great death room that he created. Yep. It's a real, it's a real Timison scenario. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for next week. <laughs> Trevian gives them big exposition about how cool and advanced they used to be until the Dominion did this fucking shit to them. Anyway, it's all super helpless. They'll never be cured. You should leave before the Dominion get you too, etc., etc. And then one of those real thankful guys dies, and it turns out Trevian just gives them a nice death party, and then they drink poison, and that's how this shit goes down. Yeah. Predictably, Bashir hates this. And <laughs> since we already know from that episode where the Jem'Hadar was trying to get cured, um, that he thinks he can fix everything, he thinks he can do the same thing here. You can see it in his head. Like, you can see the wheels turning in that scene. Well, he fucking goes back up to the runabout, and he's like, do you remember that time we cured that plague in four hours? <laughs> yep. Well, we'll definitely get into it. We're gonna, we got it. We're gonna nail it this time. Yeah, they're about to beam away, but a lady, Ecoria, asks him for help, and uh, he's pretty much all in. This this bitty's pregnant. Um, but oh no, two Jem'Hadar ships are headed for the runabout in orbit. We don't see them. They're just there. We're told about it. Bashir asks to be left behind so he can do his research. He thinks, like you said, he can knock it out by the time they get back in a week. Um. He begins running tests on Ecoria with a uh, medical assistant Dax and um, clearly starts to get kind of close to her and not even in a romantic way. So that's growth. Um, not just for Bashir, but for the writers, too. Bashir and Ecoria. Yeah. But here's the thing. I'm not convinced that it's not because the writers uh, think pregnant women are gross. <laughs> Definitely could be. Like, it's possible that well, you can't not. feel a romantic thing toward a pregnant lady. Yeah, that they're like, oh, God, oh, no. Ugh. When my bitch of an ex-wife was pregnant, ugh. Oh, it's like being on your period times a million. She oh, wouldn't no. even give ugh. me a beeger. Anyway. Um, but you're right. They, they're, they're, they don't develop a romantic relationship. Which I initially feared. 
Um, I was uh, nearly certain it would happen. <laughs> Bashir and Akoria create a big scene in the town square doing medical treatments on kids and trying to convince people to stop going to Trevian the Death Master and go to him instead. Trevian comes out and says... They've been fooled by promises of a cure before. It always ends really bad. And he can at least give people a really cool death, like a nice party. Yeah. Well, Bashir's promises turn out, to, they, they work a little bit. The guy who's been a bit standoffish so far in this episode cancels his death party to come and get poked and prodded by Bashir. Because he's quickened, so like he'll be a really good subject. Yep. Anyway, and he brings a bunch of friends. Um... Bashir tries various treatments, and then he finds out that, whoops, <laughs> there's a cumulative effect from their instrument's EM fields. And it all starts happening at once, and suddenly everybody quickens and fucking dies in horrible agony. This was how the Jemadar, I guess, ensured nobody could ever cure it, because you'd need modern, modern medical tech, and it makes people way sicker. Hey, you edit that out. That was not even implied in the episode. That is just a... Work that you and I both independently did Which to part? make sense of this episode. The, that's <laughs> why the medical tech makes the, them sick. That's sicker? why the benign EM fields from the medical tech makes them sick. Yeah. Um, uh, Trevian comes in because he can hear everybody sh- shouting in agony. And um, he gives everyone the good poison so they die peacefully. And Bashir is left standing by watching a mass euthanization with a dead look on his face. It's a pretty yeah. rough scene. <laughs> it's a bad day for Bashir. Yeah. You know, he's beating himself up a bit for the bad thing that happened. It is a rough scene. This episode has no levity once Worf finishes tipping the mug at the beginning. Once Little League's over. All the way to the end. Yes. Yes. Um, Bashir's clearly in a crisis, and Dax gets some good lines in uh, to wake him up. When it seems like he's about to give up and go home, he talks with Akoria one more time and decides he, I guess he can't leave these people here to to eat shit like this so he asks to be left behind even longer now dax is going to leave too until he finds a cure for these people kira and dax leave him and he goes back to work with akoria the only person who still trusts him i guess uh there's a kind of ticking clock now this lady just wants to live long enough to give birth to her baby um bashir says he can induce in two weeks but the, the girl's in pretty bad shape yeah because of the EM fields. Uh, no, because she quickened and he can't do the thing. Didn't he quicken because of the? Didn't she quicken because of the EM fields? Not clear. Oh, Might okay. have just happened coincidentally overnight. I guess. Um. Anyway, Trevian comes to her to try to convince her to have the cool death party, but she refuses because she needs to spit this baby out first. Cut to what I assume is at least two weeks later, and the lady is giving birth. Um. The baby is born, but remarkably, it has no blight. It turns out Bashir's original antigen that he tried to use on them did work, but it got absorbed in the placenta or whatever, so it worked on the baby. Ikoria uh, yep. sees her healthy baby and dies. Um, yeah, she's not allowed to live through this one. No. Uh, again, this is a dark episode. Um, Bashir talks to Trevian and the... I guess now Trevian's going to be in charge of making sure every pregnant woman receives this antigen moving forward. And Bashir can leave this place knowing he is a good boy who did a good medicine. But back on the station, Bashir's back at work trying to cure the blight itself. 
he gets an attaboy from Cisco as he gets back to work, and that's that's the episode. What was this episode about? I mean, you're going to hate that I say this, but you got to have hope. <laughs> got to have hope. I'm going to hate it because that didn't exist. You're going to hate it because there's no way to find... Apparently, there is no evidence that that Oakland A's ad campaign ever happened. Not only weird. that the ad campaign didn't happen, but that that song didn't happen outside of that ad campaign. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a real Mandela effect for us. Yeah. So this story contrasts arrogant Bashir, who's maybe too far on one side here with his promises, and resigned Trevian, who believes nothing can be done. Mm. And then Bashir gives up in the middle until Dax tells him he's skywalkering. Yeah. Uh, maybe something like you don't always get a win, but sometimes a tie puts you in the lead in your division. Ooh, it's a Philadelphia Eagles take. It was maybe a Philadelphia Eagles story. Okay. Um, it's a four for me. I don't know entirely what to do with it. Yeah. It's a, it's a big, it's character moments for Bashir. And we'll talk about that more when we get to those sections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in the same boat in that like a, a crystallized take was what was really missing from this episode. Right. Um, what I had was in matters of public health and trust, keep your ego in check. Like Sure, yeah. Bashir has to wrestle with what his ego does to his patients and like dust himself off, proceeding with grim determination rather than like the self-assuredness he went into it with. I guess it's a useful take to certain people, but I'm not cool enough to have work that affects anybody in any meaningful way. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way. So I can't I can't personally do anything with it. Maybe people can. Um, so I gave it five. The other take I thought about was something like greatness isn't succeeding on your first attempt, but persevering in the face of failure. Sort of an inspirational yeah. take or whatever. There um, is definitely something moving in that in that area too yeah um execution the more i watch star trek from the 90s so tng ds9 voyager the more it's clear they needed a huge space war to take them down a peg so well (laughs) it is certainly the case in this episode (laughs) It's true in a lot of episodes, though. So, like, okay, Bashir, obviously, is a perfect example of everything wrong with Starfleet in this era and what everybody else in the galaxy hates about them. Yes. (laughs) He thinks he can cure this generations-long plague in a week, and even worse, really the worst, he has evidence that he might be able to do it. And this is, the 90s Federation is post-Cold War America. Yep. And this is why in TNG... 99% of the time, the Enterprise is up against some ship that has no chance of damaging it. Picard laughs and Worf laughs. gets to be magnanimous. (laughs) Yep. Riker smirks, you know. Um, Hey, but do you know what I mean about how infuriating it is when somebody has an ego and it's because they have evidence? Listen, some of... (laughs) It's like the worst fucking thing in the world where he goes up onto the runabout and he goes, well, we cured that other one in an hour. So, like, I think I got this. And you're like, fuck, they actually cured something so fast that now he thinks he can do it. I also did not like hearing that for um, a number of different reasons. One of which is, it seems like plagues are a real ongoing problem. (laughs) There must be 15 or 16 times in TNG where the (laughs) Enterprise is on its way to curing a plague Uh or needing to get supplies for a plague. And it's like, I don't know, man. If it's a four-hour job for one doctor, <laughs> woof. Yeah, I know. 
Anyway, so when he gets this lady's hopes up and all these other people and they all end up dying, it all feels pretty rough until her baby is free of the blight, of course. But here's the thing. What if the shittiness... What if it's not for nothing? What if for the first time they're saying, this is what Starfleet and the Federation is like right now, here at the end of this golden age? Have I convinced myself of an overarching plotline about the crumbling of empires that this host of hack writers couldn't possibly have written in a coordinated fashion? <sighs> Definitely. Except, except do you, are you going to have to give them credit? Because we know that the Dominion War is largely about the cracks in the image of the Federation. Mm-hmm. People get their comeuppances for sure. Yeah, and so this is what I'm thinking. Like, are they doing it on purpose? Or have I just created a cool theory that I can put through the different shows and be like, see, this is the end of the... Go- they're, they're about to come down. This is their zenith or whatever. Um, But am I enjoying it more with this theory? Yes. I rather than have this episode just be about Bashir being kind of a jerk and then learning a lesson. It's more fun if it's part of the ongoing plot of Starfleet being a bunch of cocky assholes and figuring out that things aren't so easy. Like the episode starts with yet another Gamma Quadrant excursion. Yeah. And I was excited because it fits and in with what we've been way, tracking. By the way, which only Kira is nervous about. Mm-hmm. The non-Starfleet. That's right. <laughs> yep. It's like... They can only be doing this to show the Dominion, we don't care. Yeah. We don't care about you. Yeah, okay, you blew up our cool ship, but like, <laughs> so what? Like, we're not worried about that. We we got six of them in mothballs. <laughs> we can bring out some more of those ships you blew up in three seconds, so you better watch out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I was kind of excited when I saw them going back into the Gamma Quadrant, because I was... I was like, man, it fucking fits. It fits all the shit we've been talking about. Um, But I can't add a ton of points for something that I don't know if it's intentional or not. <laughs> I don't know if that's what they're doing or if it's just fun to talk about. Uh, still, even if this isn't like an associated tale of the downfall of the Federation, it's at least a good lesson for Bashir. The scene with all the people dying in agony was effective in its horror. It's probably as good a, as a, a performance as we can hope to get out of Bashir as well. He's shown when he needs to act, it's pretty bad <laughs> in most cases. But you're, uh, you're right, though, that he definitely in this one, he pulls off sort of being shell-shocked, mm-hmm. uh, wandering through the town in a haze. Like I think that he plays the taking the, taking the big L in this one pretty well. Yeah. I mean, even Dax isn't bad in this one. Not one of her better ones, frankly. Um, So for like a one-off story, if you choose not to include it in the canon of Federation hubris, it's pretty effective considering they got 40 minutes after that Little League Quark nonsense in the beginning. That one could have been, that could have been cut. Uh-huh, except they can't contractually, it turns out, I guess. Because <laughs> every be. week we do this. Be? Dorn's got to be in every single yep. one, huh? I mean, Cisco gets his little league part at the end, but he doesn't. Sometimes I don't even think he's in, in the episodes. Would you notice most of the time? Right. Unless it's about him. Um, It manages to be both darker than most Star Trek. Again, Bashir kills a room full of people and who scream in agony for a long time. But it also ends on a very hopeful Star Trek note. Which I kind of like. Yes. Um... 
So, oh, oh, but by the way, it also ends on the normal Star Trek note where we're never going to check in with these guys again. And they have to turn from a weird subsistence society where everyone is just waiting for their day so they can go die and have the only nice day of their life. Yeah. uh, To one where the kids are going to survive. But for everyone else, that death is going to one day lurk. But now they have work that they have to do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to change all of those people's perspectives on death to know that their children or nephews or whatever, or even just the kids in the village, sure. are kind of relying on them. And they now they have to live. Yeah, but it's okay because they'll figure out how to fuck. Well, isn't, sure. that, isn't that what Kirk would tell them? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk will start to start to maybe he's going to do a sex ed talk and then go, ah, you'll get it. You'll figure it out and you'll have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, yeah, they leave a lot of work for these people to do. And you're right that we will never, ever check in on these dudes again. And the, the device in this episode is that that warning beacon that summoned them there has just been sounding off for 200 years. There's nobody left who remembers normal society on that planet, no. and there are, everyone is a part of this death culture there, so it's going to be rough. Yep. Uh, overall, I thought it was pretty effective. I gave it a seven. Uh, I think the main criticism I have of this episode is that it is very obviously a season one Bashir plot. Yeah, in the first scene where he's like all that shit about how great it is in the Gamma Quadrant, it's like, bro, do you remember what happens here? Yeah, yeah. It should, this is, belongs in the part of the show when he's super excited to work on the frontier. Yeah. Uh, Dax calls him out for his arrogance, but nobody mentions any life experiences that he's had since then that mm-hmm. should have prepared him to handle this better. Yeah. Like, this is... This is uh, just weirdly almost four seasons too late for this plot to make sense. Yeah, it's like Koshi getting her groove back every other week. It's like, yeah. oh, are we making progress or are we not? Is he the same old fucking Bashir? What's going on? Right, yeah. I mean, we know that he's not in some ways because he's much less of a sex pest. <laughs> Thank God that change happened. Um. Also, despite all, the townspeople make a lot of threats, but all that happens to Bashir when he kills a room full of people is he gets some dirty looks as he wanders through town like they're like, he's already beaten himself up. We don't. Yeah, he's, no one's going to be harder on him than he already is himself. Yeah, he's already hard on himself. Well, you talked about those aliens in the Voyager episode have, lacking confidence. I think these beat down uh, fucking <laughs> yeah, they peasants also, exactly. are, are just like, I mean, I threatened to punch him, but like, I ain't going to punch him. I, it's probably just break my hand. It's probably not worth it. I'll probably I'll quicken. I'll just make it quick. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw a bunch and I'll quicken immediately. That's my luck. Um, and by the way, I am not sure what to make of the shot where Bashir stands in the background as Trevian shows off the Christ child to the crowds. Yeah. Like, are we supposed to be proud of him for not wanting credit? Is it supposed to be because he still feels like a failure? What, what's going on in that? What's that scene? Why is he standing way back there? That's just a good point. I don't know. Um. Anyway, this Loki episode is fine, really. It's just a little bit unfocused and a couple of seasons too late. I gave it as much as a five. Okay. What about world building? Quark hacked the Defiant. <laughs> he shouldn't be able to do that. Like, I guess that this is old Cardassian tech and he's got them pretzel rods that he can use. Sure. But um, he hacked the Defiant's replicators. Yep. Hey, A, get it together, Starfleet, but B, 
he should be in jail. feels like the beginning of some movie where a cool hacker teen hacks the NSA and then they bring him in to give him a job or something. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, that's not what happens. That's this nothing this week. Nope, that's just Little League. Um, the Federation really feels like it has a handle on plagues, like you said. I hope they never get a comeuppance. It was so and then, infuriating. Uh, uh, Dominion patrol routes uh, and also biological reprisals for resistance. Yes. They oh. say specifically that the Jem'Hadar did that, but that feels like some Vorta shit okay. to me. And that but, was, you know, these guys probably don't even know about the Vorta. That was another thing I was going to say in execution, but straight forgot to write it down, is... They give you one more taste of how evil the Dominion is, and you never even see them in this episode. Yeah. Like, you don't, even when they say there's two ships up there, you don't even see them. You see no Dominion the entire time. What you see is this garbage society. Yes. And I think that's pretty effective in, like, it's a little bit more subtle form of building up that threat. Um, It's a two for me. There's not enough about the wider world for it to score a lot of points in world building here. Mm-hmm. Just there's a lot of implications about <laughs> the arrogance of the Federation, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I agreed it's a two. Um, what is Dominion space? Because later it will definitely seem like the entire quadrant near that wormhole is theirs. But for now, are they still contained somewhere distant from the wormhole around the Omarion Nebula or something? It's something like that, which is odd, by the way, because that's where the founders are. So it seems like it should be bigger. Yeah. But it is it it does seem like Bashir and Dax and Kira have some idea Mm -hmm. of where the boundaries of Dominion space are and they don't reach all the way to the wormhole. Yeah. And that seems odd because they seem like they are definitely intending to attack (laughs) Starfleet, they, yes. kind of, they talk about it every time they see them. You'd think they would have um, done that part it, already. It must be like if you come out of the wormhole and do a 180 and just look behind Go the, the other wormhole, way. it's just hayseeds and nothing back there. <laughs> it could be. And that's why the Dominion's not fucking with it right now. Um, The Blight, again, created by the Dominion, whatever. Um, The the, the plague on Baranus 3 that Starfleet cured in an hour or whatever it was, and they clearly always brag about. Yeah. Um, It it probably, no one wants to get into it, but it probably was just Earth measles, and that's it had mutated once a little tiny bit, and that's why they cured it so quick. Right. Uh, Bashir is still capable of doing lower tech research with his beakers and bubbling fluids and stuff. Um, Yeah. So yeah, just a two for me. As opposed to, like, another solution, which might be just run the replicators in another room. That's right. Keep the EM fields away from the people. Yeah. Like, maybe you can't scan them, so all you could do is observe symptoms like an old-timey doctor with your stethoscope and whatever, but, like, you could probably still do the rest in another room, huh? Yeah, probably. Uh, Characterization? Yeah. All right. So it's Bashir's episode, right? What do you want me to say about the Little Leaguers? There's not much going on there. Um, I mean, Dax is in it a little. Yeah, I I have decent Dax again. Maybe her character is getting better. Maybe it's the actress. But there's there's been an improvement lately in um, in her her whole whole deal and her line about Bashir's ego and thinking it can't be cured because he didn't do it in a week was spot on. So that was there is good. Yeah, she nailed him. She nailed him on that one for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's Bashir's episode. Again, he starts off as season one Bashir. His ego makes him promise a lot, and then he only delivers a terrible death. And he finds the strength to dust himself off and try again. 
even though he loses his friend Ecoria, um, he does break through and finds a way to help the society at least move forward. Um, so I gave it a six. I could see a five. Uh, I am just slightly lower. Uh, Dax thinks doctors are arrogant jerks and Bashir isn't changing her mind any. Uh, Bashir really thinks he's hot shit. He also thinks he's learned the moral of the story about halfway through. <laughs> yep. He's also way, way cooler with this euthanasia guy than you'd expect. You know... Like, you could tell he has disgust for the practice, but he he, he really keeps it to his fucking self. Huh? And there's even a minute where they're gonna leave. Yeah. He's like, well, they don't want me, so I guess we're gonna leave. And then the lady comes up and directly asks him or whatever. So, like, yeah. then he can't. But I was surprised he was gonna leave. I was like, Bashir ain't gonna just, like, let the guy do the death work. Yeah, this is not the Bashir from that Jem'Hadar episode. No, maybe he was afraid fucking O'Brien would come in and zap all his shit if he didn't leave. Nah, it could be. <laughs> uh, Kira is, uh, I guess she's the only person sensible enough not to want to take these dumb trips to the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> they serve no so I like, purpose! I like that. Everyone else was on Little League Duty, like you said. I gave it as much as a four. Oh, I guess it's a five for me then, because I said I could see a five. I didn't okay. say I could see a four, <laughs> but I mean, it's just... Logically speaking. It does feel like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem logically like the same scenario. Yeah. I just wasn't sure what to do with Bashir. Did I like him or did I not? I don't know. I don't know. You know? Yeah, Uh, you're right. Look, he does not come on to the lady. So there's that. (laughs) That's a big step for him. Uh, What about Chris? She's much more Riker style, though, honestly. Oh, like a a soft-spoken, kind of scared blonde, but with maybe some internal strength? Boom. Yeah. Uh, quick ones. Uh, yeah. Ah, oh, hell yeah. Three people on a runabout. Why wouldn't they answer a distress call from a planet attacked and devastated by unknown aggressors? It's wild. Um, and also, great, great idea, Bashir. Show this woman who might die an ultrasound of her baby. That should test your hypothesis about just wanting it more. <laughs> you told her to visualize an attack. Yeah. Um... And then this Trivian dude just wants to protect his euthanasia business. Follow the money. <laughs> That's why he's so discouraging of it. Yeah. Uh, and then I asked out of 10, how horny is Bashir for this pregnant woman? Oh. Uh, seems like his savior complex should be really cruising right now. Oh, yeah. Probably. Uh, this is just a philosophical question I have for you, Matt. If Bashir patched every square inch of Kukulaka, is it the same bear? It's <laughs> a good question. Just if every part of it's been replaced, is it the is it the same? Well, he has a soul. It's a ship of Theseus. Mm. Um, oh, whoops! The um, EM radiation from the devices caused the mutations. Mm. That has to have been intentional, right? That was a yes parting gift from the founders. We worked that out the same way. That that's yeah. how, that's how they ensure when they say it will never be cured. That's what they meant. And then, of course, the antigen is being soaked up by the thirsty, thirsty placenta. Mm. That's just science. <laughs> I've, I've been reading a lot of books about things like that, and I won't talk about why, but it's definitely, it's in there. <laughs> it's in there for sure. Uh, you know for the next few weeks, Bashir is going to look busy with this virus shit every time someone walks by so that they feel sorry for him, it's and true. also so that they know how sensitive he is. It's true, he didn't even try to put on a brave face for Cisco. No. He was just like, well, I'm just Why, so re- sad. Well, he's really torturing himself about that virus, huh? You know he's a good guy. <laughs> right. I know he 
He's a good boy. I know he's a creep, but I think he's a good guy. He just he just has trouble with socializing. That's right. Boundaries. He's a problem with boundaries. It's a boundary problem, but you know, deep down, he, he's a real sensitive guy. He cares about the virus lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give Best Actor to Trevian, maybe? Yeah. Uh, he seemed the most like an actor. Yeah. I uh, None of the performances were really that good. In that he had mild... Um, uh, what's the guy from Battlestar Galactica? Uh, The main guy. Edward James Almost? Yeah, he, he was giving me mild almost vibes. Interesting. Uh, I was going to say he was uh, like a real soft-spoken Jellico, but maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, worst actor I gave to Epron. He was the punk rocker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy wasn't so good. Less good. Yeah, uh, uh, so, yeah what about you? None. Not gonna get none. Nothing at all. <laughs> Not a damn thing. No, don't have anything. Well, the numbers are in. Oh, good. Fourth place this week with 11 points. Enterprise and a Mirror Darkly Part 2. That was even worse than Part 1. Good job out of them. <laughs> even worse than Part 1. I don't know how they did it, but good job. Uh, third place this week with 25 points. Voyager, Knight. Yeah, not great, but, you know, for Voyager, pretty okay, I guess. But we have seen worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, second place, 34 points, Deep Space Nine, The Quickening. Okay. That's what they won with last week was 34. Yep, that was enough to win last week, but uh, not this week. Mm-hmm. Because this week we had the drumhead, and that scored 43 points. Yeah, hey, 40 pointer. that is enough. That's a 40, rare 40 pointer, and that is enough to notch a 36th win for the next generation. Nice. Yeah, we were a bit off on that one in terms of total score. I was higher on every episode, but we had the episodes in the same order. Uh, yeah, once you added the, once you talked me two points up, because yes. initially I had the quickening higher okay. than the drumhead. Um, and the quickening must have lost a point somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, I um, on average, each episode that I do loses at least <laughs> about a point on average. You just, you when you're not... It's not fresh anymore. And you just you read the mean read things. Read the things you wrote, and you go, ah, uh, yeah, I was wrong. They're usually very mean things. And then you go, yeah, I guess this sucked, huh? Uh, good week this week for premise. Yeah. Uh, top 10% week in terms of premise scores. We averaged uh, 10 points for each episode, which doesn't sound that great when you remember <laughs> that it is 20 as possible. Right. But <laughs> 10 is a pretty good score. Okay, week for execution. Bad week for world building. Yeah, not a lot was attempted, for sure. Um, but uh, a better week than we've had since uh, week 88. So, but you know, better than the previous five weeks in terms of total score. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in a new season of Voyager. Will it we're matter at all? We're running down the clock on Enterprise. Yeah, thank God. And uh, Deep Space Nine and TNG will pick up a new season pretty soon. Yeah. Next week. After the holidays. Well, we're, starting a, we're starting an interesting run for uh, for TNG. Next week is Half a Life. Introduction of Michelle Forbes. Yeah, that's the important takeaway. It is another Luoxana episode. It is a Luoxana Troy but Probably episode. the best one. I don't know. We'll see. It definitely covers some ideas for sure. I can't believe it won't get a premise score. You know? I think there's going to be a premise score. It may not be about euthanasia yeah. specifically. I think it'll probably just be about 
usefulness mm-hmm. and as you age. Um, after that, for TNG, we have the host. That one's going to probably fall on its face a little bit. <laughs> well. Uh, Dr. Crusher asserts that she is extremely straight. Yes. And, straight uh, as can be. Just a fucking, just a deal breaker Actually, for her and love doesn't have anything to do with it. Sort of angrily straight. Like, yeah. mad about how straight she is. The mind's eye. Uh, Jordy has another bad week. Hey, in Star Trek, if there's ever one thing you learn, it's don't go to a conference. Just don't do it. Unfortunately, in theory. Yeah, that's tough. So maybe the second to last episode of season four and then Redemption Ooh. one. So it's uh, we got a little bit of a roller coaster coming up here with TNG. But next week we're watching Half a Life. Yeah. We're watching Body Parts. Don't remember it. It's a uh, Quark thing. Quark. Quark's up top. Okay. The Voyager episode is called Drone, oh. which is not inspiring. Yep, but I think we know who it's about, at least. <laughs> I have a suspicion. Yeah. And the uh, third to last episode of Enterprise is called Demons. Oh, it's about the two silver bloods. <laughs> I think it's about the weird schizophrenia demons. Oh, different kind. In Bad Archer. We're still in the movie. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great if they fooled you by doing a part two, but not a part three, but it is still this <laughs> continuing story. Ah, uh, yeah, demons. Um, I think it actually is about the silver bloods. Yeah, a couple of silver bloods doing some business. Must be. No. That um, would be Voyager, unfortunately. Yeah, so I don't know. Um,. I'm not super enthused by that crop, but before that, we'll have a mailbag and a fruit bracket and all that kind of business. Uh, did Shannon get back to us with her fruit business? No, so I will be pestering her at five in the morning at game night. All right, good. She's going to have to name some fruits when she is very sleepy. Good. Well, that's about as much effort as should go into it, is just naming the fruits you can remember now that you're awake or whatever. <laughs> um so, uh, happy holidays, everybody. Send us some mail. Um, uh, that's at BrotherDate on the Twitter machine. Uh, brothers at BrotherDate.com for email. We haven't gotten a lot of audio clips, audio emails no, lately. Not so much lately. <sighs> that's kind of insulting. Maybe it's because we crap on everything that people send us. It could be. Also, not even about Star Wars, which you would have thought. I know. Well, we do this long project. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> brotherdate.com you can check out Landrew and all the other business um, you can find us on all the great podcatchers just all of them probably everyone uh, and that's the whole deal enjoy Thanksgiving if you got a long weekend enjoy that um, good good luck Peltor Joy Joe Joe Landrew <laughs> going to show up on a planet and say the sacred words which are the preamble to the constitution of the united states of america why though why did they have the constitution please subscribe